Hey everybody, I'm Nick Galfis. I play Dr. Halstead in Chicago Med, and you are listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Hearts. Welcome to episode 242. 242? I think that's yeah. right. Uh, yeah, of Me Molly's. We're covering this week's episode. So 808, 1108, and 1008. The the penultimate before the mid-season finales is what we can call it. Yeah. 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 So. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm tired. Are you tired? I'm tired. Yeah, it's been a, I'm ready for like holiday break. I'm just like ready. This time of the year is just, I I forget how like, I mean, Dreaming. it's great. It's chaotic and it's a, it's an ass kicking, but like, you know. Oh, and I feel like for you, I mean, I obviously don't want to project my feelings, but I feel like for you, obviously it was like wedding, Europe. Okay. I've got like two weeks Thanksgiving and then it's like Hawaii and then it's like birthday. It's just like, you've had like a crazy, you know two and a half months i'm fucking tired i'm tired it's okay it's okay it's okay Ugh. you've got stuff going on too though i mean you know real life is just whooping both of our asses right now yeah it, re- it really is it, yeah. yeah i'm not like fully over this cold i'm like 90 percent of the way there but i'm still kind of like rigid residual congestion so i'm just like yeah i don't know I'm, I'm on autopilot this week yeah i feel that yeah yeah so uh, we always start with the news. We've only got one little bit of it. I I, th- I feel like everybody's going on autopilot because Thanksgiving is now like a week away. So everybody's starting to just kind of like go into cruise mode and just be like, whatever. Yeah. You know, this, and the episode wait. description for the f- mid-season hasn't come out yet. Right. Right. So. so the only bit of news we have is a Matt's inside line. Um, a fan named Lizzie asked, will we ever see Chicago Fire, Sylvie, and Severide interact? Sylvie's been on the show for like five plus years and a Severide's wife's best friend, but they act like each other does not exist. It's a fair question. I think Sylvie's been on close to a decade now, hasn't she? Season three. So yeah. Um, eight close years. To- yeah. Damn. Yeah. Time flies. Yeah, so uh, the answer to this was from Andrea, and Andrea said, Severide plays everything close to the vest and doesn't do a lot of hanging out with anyone besides Kid unless he feels a strong reason to, like he did when he showed up for Violet in episode four. That being said, there is a cool and shocking call coming up later in the season where Brett and Severide need to work together to save someone in a desperate situation, and their connection will deepen coming out of that story. Oh, interesting i'm intrigued tell me more yeah tell me more i do i wonder if like with shocking being in like parentheses like are we supposed to read into that or are we not but like i don't think it, like what is shocking right and like is it like, even gruesome be shocking? shocking like yeah. shocking because it affects brett and severide shocking because it affects whatever person they're helping like i questions yeah i have questions i have questions too but exciting I'm, I'm looking forward to that yeah there's definitely there's definitely a, a decent size of the fire fandom that just perked up and was like brett and severide yeah well it is kind of i'm not saying i need them to be like best friends or you know like hang out all the time but it is a little like like we never see them have scenes no 
And like, given the fact, like you said, at one point, obviously, Brett and Casey were together. And then you had like, Brett being Stella's best friend. Like, it is a little weird that you never see them even say like, hi. Well, it's like the Jake and Kate of fire. Yeah. But I, I am looking forward to that, though. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, um, again, that's all the news, really. There's not a ton. Again, everybody's on autopilot, which, like, at this point, I can't blame them. I am so ready to just, like, curl up on the couch and watch, like, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving and just, like, zone out. I'm just ready to watch, like, all the TV and things that are coming out, like, in this next, like, week. I, I just like I have a lot of TV to catch up on things coming out I'm like ready to just like do nothing but watch TV this weekend I have yet to watch one Hallmark Christmas movie from start to finish I haven't watched a Hallmark but I did watch the Lindsay Lohan Netflix one from start <gasps> to finish oh was it good or was it terrible or was it like awesome terrible it was awesome terrible like I mean it was awesome terrible we'll save it for our episode with Emily but yeah it okay. was awesome terrible you know I mean it was like in the cheesy way it was awesome mm-hmm I, re- okay. I did enjoy it, but I said that's the only week, one I've watched like all the way through. So last week I was still dealing with this cold. I told Brenna, I was like, I'm not moving from this couch for 48 hours. Like I'm, I'm parking here and I'm not leaving till Sunday night. And I did. Uh, I just didn't catch up on as much as I was hoping to. Well, but I, I did catch know, up on the rookie. You know what came out today though, too, is the new uh, Miguel Bernardo oh. Netflix one, 1899. Ooh. Or is it 1889? Whichever. 1899, I think it is. But whatever. That came out today. And then the new Enchanted sequel comes out tomorrow. Sex Lives of College Girls came back today. Like, there's just so many things. I'm like, damn, I gotta, I gotta start watching TV again. I gotta get on it. I just realized today that I'm like, I haven't seen any of International beyond the premiere of season two. I gotta catch up Either. on that. I'm behind on that and I'm behind on Fire Country, like, really bad. Oh, I'm way behind on Fire Country. Yeah. Me yeah. too. There's just like, I feel like Jesse Spano. I'm like, no time. There's never any time. Yeah, I caught up on, I was like two behind on 911. I caught up on that. I caught up on, I was one behind on feds. Um, so yeah. Man, it's busy. Yeah. It's busy. Yeah. Uh, we have one new patron shout out. Nora Kent has joined the patron family. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. Um, yeah, make sure you request into the Facebook group so you can join the community there. Um, guys, I have had some questions in the past weeks of like, you know, hey, how do we become a patron? How do we sign up? You got to follow the link in our socials. If you click our little bio link, it's going to pull up a page that's going to have all of our other links listed out. And you need to click on patron or Patreon. You've got to sign up on Patreon before you request into the Facebook group. Yes. Otherwise, you will get denied you will get denied you have to sign up on patreon before you request to the facebook group yeah you can't just sign up on patreon join the facebook group and then delete your patreon membership either it's like that's part of you know it's a perk it's a perk yeah yeah Yeah. so So, um if you would like to support the pod for as little as two dollars a month you can check the link in our socials we've got a lot of cool stuff there the facebook group is the best part i mean well and there's some fun stuff after thanksgiving there's going to be a patreon group only one chicago trivia night mm -hmm. so there's a lot of fun things coming up um so yeah and that's not even from us that's like our patrons decided they wanted to organize that themselves and Gina and I are really excited about it so yeah I'm super excited I I can't wait to play yeah I can't wait to play it's gonna be really fun yeah so um yeah and that's just like three or four of our patrons did that on their own I'm super excited that's gonna be fun yeah so So, yeah definitely if you want to join now's the time because it's happening like right after Thanksgiving yeah and we're a big family in the group it's a lot of fun yeah 
Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Should we jump into the episodes? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So med. It was good. It was a good one. I, it was good. It was good. I mean, like, will I say it's my favorite one? No, but like, I thought it, I really enjoyed med. There was a lot going on, a lot going on, but it was all like pretty powerful, impactful stuff. Yeah, no, lot. yes, I would definitely say Med's most powerful, impactful episode. Yeah. In a long time, yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So little side note before we start, I did get a good laugh. Um, Connor Perkins, who plays Zach, he posted to promote the episode and he was like, Zach's taking the day off. He's at therapy. He's putting up Christmas decorations. Like he's just got the day off. It's cool, but he'll be back. Like, but make sure you watch tonight. I thought that was so funny. I was like, thank you for telling us where Zach is and exactly what he's doing because you're saving us time on the pod because this is what we would be doing otherwise. Yeah. It's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, I got a good laugh out of that, but yeah. So let's start off with Will and the new resident and Crockett. Okay. Because yeah. we have another new resident, another one. What, what is go? Okay. Maybe I got to save it for when we talk about Crockett, but okay. Like what is happening with all of these new people coming in? I don't know. Cause, and it's not even like they're there really consistently. It'll be like, okay, we had Nelly this week. Right. Mm-hmm. Great. I really enjoyed the Nelly stuff. We'll get there in a second, but it's like, okay, we had Nelly and then we probably won't have Nelly for another like two or three weeks. And then she pops back up again. But then like in the meantime, you'll have like Kai and Zach and then, okay, then they'll disappear. And then it's like, now you have this Justin guy. And it's like, I'd rather them just pick one and like stick with that one versus all these like four at this point now that we have look and i'm totally cool with justin i I, i'm totally cool with him i I like him him. i like yeah yeah, we'll get into that in a second but yeah but also but but the question they didn't resolve is why is he only coming in in this episode why didn't he come in episodes ago when zach and kai did right and i feel like they kind of brushed over the fact that like he's a lot older than like he's kind of like a jeff clark like clearly went on did stuff in the fire department you know search Mm -hmm. and rescue or whatever and is now becoming a doctor so like are we gonna get into that is he like just here for this one episode like i just have questions like i i don't understand basically we're wondering how attached should we get yeah that's really i mean like even someone like kai who we haven't really loved i think the reason we're all still like even hesitant to kind of get there is like i just have attachment issues at this point right like I especially on med I mean we've lost three characters in nine episodes like I I just I don't know how to feel about any of this oh yeah that's one note to make this week nobody left this week yeah that's terrible that we have to be like oh yeah nobody left this week is I know isn't it isn't it sad that that's the point we're at yeah that's that's really the new it's like should be like a if we're doing a drinking game it should be reverse it should be like oh someone left this week take a drink but it should now it's like reverse it's like weird finish your drink if nobody leaves this week yeah yeah man but yeah yeah so uh crockett's got a couple little things going on outside of this but they all kind of loop together because they end up working on the same case so we're just gonna cover all of it so goodwin and arthur want crockett to ask jack dayton for 10 million dollars just casual I thought it was so funny, though, how, like, when Crockett walks in and, Art, you know, he sees Arthur, he's like, oh, geez. And Arthur's like, so what? This is, like, the reaction I get from, like, why is this the reaction I get from all the doctors? And Goodwin's like, well, I mean. Why do you think? Yeah, why do you think? Have you watched this show? Yeah. <laughs> Have do you, you know what your said? role is? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, do you know what happens every time you show up, Arthur? Like, 
so funny. Uh, yeah, so they're just like, hey, we want to get this MRI machine. Can you ask Jack for $10 million? Just casual, as one does. Um, and Crockett's like, yeah, I'm not comfortable with that. But also like, LOL, it's Sharon just making the doctors do her dirty work. Yeah. Well, and just, I don't know. That's literally part of, well, it's, I don't know about her job, but like, that's kind of part of her job, right? Is to do some of the fundraising and like, She's like, oh, yeah, okay, Crockett, you can do it. It's fine. Yeah, but- You'll get I, a better result than me. Yeah, and she, I mean, she's got a point that Crockett's got the relationship with Jack Dayton, but I'm right. with Crockett on that one. He's just like, I just, like, saved a life in his train. We're not, like, buddies. Right, yeah. And at this point, Jack has helped at the hospital a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they made that machine or whatever. He's the one that got him the scrubs back. I feel like if Goodwin just asked him, I feel like he'd still be willing to say- okay maybe not 10 million dollars but yeah five million i mean something i'm sure he would give them if she just asked but i don't know yeah yeah i don't know i don't know so we meet justin uh he basically did 10 years of search and rescue before deciding to go to med school so my question is what show did he come to us from 911 fire country well okay technically he can't come from either one of those because he knows gallo oh yeah so, like, it would have had to be Chicago-based. So, like, how does he know Gallo? Did they work at the same firehouse? Yeah, they didn't explain that part. No, they literally just had Gallo show up for two seconds for no reason. I mean, I, we never get Gallo on med, so I'm not complaining. But, like, also, I thought they were going to circle back to that. And they were just like, no, 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 it's fine. Yeah, and we'll we'll discuss Gallo later. I've got some words, but maybe they met... In that squad class that Gallo took when he got in trouble for dropping Severide's name? Maybe, but even then, like, they seem to have to be, like, somewhat close. Like, Gallo makes the point to say, like, oh, because Justin's like, oh, what are you doing here? And Gallo's like, yeah, I was kind of in neighborhood and I wanted to stop by to check out, like, I knew it was your first day or whatever. So, like, how close are they? Yeah. Like, I wouldn't just say that, You, I mean, I would say that to someone like you, but, like, I wouldn't just say that to just some, you know friend i'm like friend you know like casual friends with yeah some casual acquaintance yeah so i don't know yeah that's a good but then question. again they never go back to the gallo relationship so i have questions uh, yeah i don't know i don't know but their patient is 15 years old she's in advanced stage liver failure um she needs a transplant but the mom is a recovering alcoholic so she's like this is not gonna work and will's like well wait a second you know if you've been sober for x amount of time that won't exclude you you'll be fine well then he goes to crockett and crockett's like yeah that's a hell no um that's not gonna happen because x y and z reasons and he basically spells out the worst case scenario he's like so if we donate and her liver doesn't regenerate and then she needs a transplant it's a really really bad outcome and i just love will's response here he's like that's a prediction not a fact like will william gonna william um yeah and then crockett just says he's like that's the kind of bad outcome that could get a transplant program shut down which that that line in general i was just like man like not to be the one who's always like comparing crockett to connor like but like connor Rhodes. there's so many connors now oh my god (laughs) um like but i really wonder how they would have worked together because if you think about it (laughs) sorry um like connor Rhodes was like very risk-taking yeah he had a god complex and all that stuff but like 
super risky, love to kind of go out on a limb and just hope things work. Crockett is very conservative in his operating and in his skills and in what he does. He's very risk averse. It's yeah. just an interesting, it's interesting to see the two opposites. Well, and it's funny because I think Connor Rhodes in this situation, I think maybe he starts off with like a hell no, like no way I wouldn't go for that. But then I think Will would be able to convince Connor because like you said, because he does or was willing to take risks and all those things. I think Will could have convinced Connor to do it pretty easily mm-hmm. um, by like chalking up his God complex too. I think Will could have easily got there. Yeah. 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 And like you said, Crockett, I, I would have loved to see Crockett alongside Connor. It would have been really interesting. It would have been really interesting. They would have butted heads, but it would have been like entertaining. One, especially too, because like you have that, like Crockett's obviously now like specializing in transplants or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you had um, Connor with uh, cardio, um, you know, so like the two specialties kind of going back and forth too. Like that would have been interesting. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Yeah. When does that. Colin's show premiere? It's like after Thanksgiving, right? Yes, but the Patty and Colin album comes out, well, today on the day you're listening to this. Oh, yeah, there's a Patty and Colin album. Yes, and I think I'm 99.9% sure because I saw them doing promo on Instagram. I think it comes out today on the day you're listening to this. They are the most precious couple. I adore them. Brenda, we had both of them in one Chicago. I know. Both of them. And then they were just like, nah. I know. Make it make sense. I know. I, I just also remember, like, literally just pop in my head, too, that, like, um, Nina and Will were once a couple, too. Like, I kind of blocked that out of my memory. Like, I kind of forgot about that. And then I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a thing that happened. That was a thing that happened. Yep. <sighs> yeah. So Crockett's just kind of playing it safe. He's like, yeah, we're not doing that. But Justin is on to something. The first year resident with the solution. I love it. So he just kind of says to Will, he's like, this is just like, you know, if it had been any other organ but her liver, like her kidneys are healthy. Why couldn't it have been that? And Will just stops and is like, wait a second. Like her kidneys are healthy. Hang on a second. You're on to something. So he suggests a trans organ paired exchange. This is not like the time when there were like the domino of organs happening around the hospital and I like couldn't figure out what was happening. Yes. It's basically like, it's a quid pro quo, not to quote, quote Crockett, but so the, the mom of the 15 year old girl, she's going to donate a kidney to this couple. And then in return, they're going to donate a portion of the liver to the girl. It's like a weird, not a love triangle, but a love triangle. I mean, it's like a love triangle, but not a love triangle kind of kind of yeah it's a fancy name for something that's really not that hard to understand but you know well and I obviously didn't I didn't get a chance to google this but like they kind of talk about obviously in the episode how not rare but obviously it's becoming more common but it's like very I guess rare for right now but like I wonder like how many hospitals and how many programs are actually doing something on that you know doing this yeah that's interesting. I need to Google. To but the like, Google you're not going to advertise it. Like, my local hospital's not going to be like, come in for a trans organ paired exchange. Like, need this organ? You know, they're not going to. No. I think it's something that, you know, as it comes up. Paired exchange and Googling. Hold on. R.I.P. our search history. 
But actually, though... Another night of med just destroying our ghoul. Well, there's some papers and stuff on it. Hmm. Kidney pair donation. A liver for a kidney. I wonder if that's, like, wait, the only ones you can do. I don't know. I don't know. There just seems to be a lot of, like, papers on, like, liver kidneys. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I have to do more Googling. So Will brings this up to Crockett and Crockett's like, uh, okay. But you know, he's like, that's, that's, I mean, I, I've read about it, but we're, we're going to do it the right way. We're going to loop in legal. And Will goes, oh yeah. Like, I'm not trying to do anything below board, which like, okay. Will's got jokes this week. Yeah, right. I feel like he's been making all these like tongue in cheek jokes this season about the fact that like, if anyone, he's like, oh, yeah, no, like, we're going to do this right. Like, if anyone, I would never do that. And it's like, well, really? Really? Like, this is not the first joke he's made this season about that. But it is, it's funny every time, though, because it's like, only Will. Right. At least he's self-aware. <laughs> I don't know. I mean... Which, um, side note, so you'll hear at the end of this episode, we did talk to Jesse Schramm uh, this week. And by this week, I mean, we're recording on Thursday. So we talked to her the the day we're today. recording which yeah today yeah. we say today but really for you it's yesterday um there, there there's a point in there where she mentioned something about um about will like not being his own worst enemy or something how uh, like people were worried that hannah was gonna ruin will yes and when uh, in the beginning when she first joined the show yes. yeah and in my head i was like oh god like do these people not know will is the only person who ruins will like will is his own worst enemy yeah i, I think if i remember correctly and i have gone back and listened to some of those old episodes because like it's kind of I just haven't but I I think if I remember correctly I don't think we hated Hannah but I think we were like uh, I don't know Will should not be involved with the drug addicts like I don't know no okay but know. we also we knew we knew immediately that they were going to get involved romantically we figured it out like yeah because remember when we interviewed Nick and we were like he was like how did you know her name is Hannah and we were like deadline and he's like rats but who told deadline yeah yeah it's like one of my favorite interview moments of all time yeah. but yeah no I know but it's just like still I don't think we, like, hated Hannah, if I remember correctly, but I don't think we were, like, too keen on her either. No, but I think we were, we were just kind of sitting back and waiting. We were like, okay, like, we know, we know you, okay, so you have, you have an addiction, that's cool, we're just kind of getting to know you, we know you two are gonna bang, so just, like, skip to that part. <laughs> so we were just kind of sitting back But it back was messy, waiting. though. That was a messy time. Oh, messy so time. messy. What a messy time. What a messy so time. Messy. Because, I mean, yeah, at that point, it was like, Will, you're you're working at this clinic and she's like one of your patients. You probably shouldn't be dating well, her. Well, and then you realize that she's a doctor at med and you're like, oh, right. yeah, that's not good. Yeah. Will yeah. was on a roll of terrible decisions at that point. Yeah, what a time. The pre-COVID days. What a time. Oh, I know. We were so wild and innocent and young and free. And naive. Yeah. And so naive. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So funny. Anyway. But, yeah, that just made me laugh when Jesse said that, because in my head, I was just like, Will's the only one who ruins Will. Like, that's funny. But actually, though. But actually, though, But yeah. yet, somehow, Will has survived, like, outlived a lot of other people who have been along for those bad decisions so um really who's laughing now we're not even putting that in the he is staying forever i can't deal with another departure and i sure as hell can't deal if it's william we're not like, putting it out in the universe no knock on nope, wood no we're just knock Let's on wood. I, at this point med cannot have any more this season like we already had three we can't have any more no no 
like between any of the shows all of you are done you are all like sealed in until this is the cast we're keeping everyone yes um add people sure i don't care but like nobody can leave none you are all trapped here against your will (laughs) none of you are leaving the med set none of you are leaving the fire stages like yeah yeah no he's gonna stay forever he's gonna be like severin he's gonna stay forever (sighs) that's that yeah but why did i say that like the deadline article is gonna pop tomorrow and just clown mask just i'm just tired (laughs) i can't anyway um yeah so so we meet this couple and the wife's a little iffy at first um you know she's just like no like we got to think of the kids and like having a liver transplant is more extensive we only prepared for kidneys like i wasn't prepared for this yeah and then the husband is like no like we're doing this like the kids need their mom and he says he goes i've survived five skydives and three bungee jumps you think a little surgery is gonna take me out and the minute he said that i was like he's a goner i thought for sure he was done for but oh yeah no surprisingly surprisingly he was not granted we don't we didn't see the surgery so he might have died like in the white space but oh, wow <laughs> i'm just being that a realist dark. Dark. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know wow what that was just dark <laughs> I, think it was I mean yeah bad. i thought he was gonna go too but i but not thinking that like he died in the white space he may have i don't know i don't know for sure i don't know what happens in the white space that's what fan fiction's for i don't know oh, uh yeah so crockett has this like aha moment as they're watching the two families kind of bond and he just kind of pieces together he's like oh my god like quid pro quo this makes so much sense now <laughs> and so we pretty much end it by crockett going to this dinner which like hashtag blessed because we get suited up crockett two weeks in a row i mean if this one's if he wants to ditch the scrubs and just go like full-on suit every week i'm not gonna complain i'm not gonna complain either i mean if he like i mean weatherman crockett doesn't flow as well as weatherman will no but, like i'll take it no but also now i'm just thinking you just said weatherman will why don't we have weatherman will merch oh my god because i don't think it was technically our idea someone on twitter coined weatherman well and it was fucking genius but we can still make merch oh goodness weatherman well just like him in a weather map just like (laughs) oh william 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 i know it has to be sunny this weekend i'll do whatever it takes (laughs) snow again (laughs) it's just such an injustice there can't be this much snow oh man yeah so they they asked jack dayton they're like hey we want 10 million like boom here you go and jack's like you know what you're lowballing like i'm gonna do something even better and so we see this promo and this is the part that kind of like made me think some things okay look so Apparently in the mid-season finale, they're going to open this like OR 2.0 that I'm saying with air quotes, okay? Tell me that does not look like the big OR in Grey's Anatomy. Kind of. Or at least from the angle, because they're, at least this OR 2.0 has some sort of like gallery viewing, which yeah. is what I think it makes me think of. Yeah. So I hadn't thought about it, but it does. With that, plus all the new residents that are coming in, 
I'm just like, all right, like, stop, stop. You are not Grace. Stop trying to be like Grace. You are med. Am I the only person who like had that thought at that point? I mean, I, I'll say this. I didn't think about that. Like it, it didn't cross my mind. Um, I see it now that you pointed out, but it did not cross my mind originally. I just, I have a feeling though, that something obviously is going to go terribly wrong with this OR 2.0 and that we're not going to keep it for that long. Mm. also where are they putting this in the hospital where do they have room for it also we already have a hybrid or so like are we getting a third version of an or or is this like a remodel of the current ors and that's why they're called or 2.0 but the hybrid or is supposed to be right there in the ed there can't be room to upgrade it to that no but what i'm saying is is like the normal or like or one or whatever (laughs) you know but like are they just remodeling that and that'll be or 2.0 I don't know. We Question. need like the blueprints of Gaffney. <laughs> so we can like properly map this out. But actually though, because I really want to know where this thrift store is too. That's apparently been canon according to Connor for like a long time. Connor Patrick. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, we're at the point now where we actually have to differentiate our Connors. There's like character Connor, actor Connor, behind the scenes Connor. Yeah. Too many Connors. We love them all. We love them I all. I mean, yes. 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 But yeah, so I, I need to know where the thrift store is too. Yeah, so I don't I remember do, any of it. I do want the schematics for Gaffney. The schematics. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But just just food for thought. So it's about all for Crockett and William and the new guy. I like the new guy. He can stay. Right, but we knowing this, the way that it's going, we probably won't see him for like three more episodes. Or if like at we'll all. Probably next, we'll probably get uh, Zach and Kai back next week is my guess. <laughs> They're like, oh, you because like Justin? Pattern. Yeah, you like Justin? Here's four more weeks of Kai being a total dick. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I imagine, though, Kai is going to go the way of Nelly, and, like, we're going to learn more and end up loving him, just for the record. Yeah. But, but like, again, I'll save that rant for when we get to Carver. I have some, I'll save that rant for I when we get to Carver. I have feelings about that, too. I know. <laughs> we're in the same well we're sort of in the same boat i think we predicted a disagreement on that but we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it yeah so uh yeah next up we've got hannah and nelly and probably one of the most powerful stories that met has done to date yes and i want to say connor i feel like you're connor patrick i feel like you were right we are starting to slowly get there on nelly like this was once that we heard the backstory i was like my heart oh like, I, I love her to pieces now I'm yeah. just like, protect her at all costs. I will fight her parents and anybody else who wants to do to her harm. Yeah. So yeah. Hannah and Ellie end up working together on this girl. And they, because they overhear her talking, you know, asking to talk to a doctor. But she doesn't want her name on anything. Like, she just wants to talk, you know, talk to somebody. And basically, she's like, you know, well, how do you know if something happened to you? And literally, as soon as she said that, like, I just kind of knew what had happened. You know, what presumably had happened. Like, it was just you don't kind of you aren't like as scattered and you know suspicious about that if you know something serious hasn't happened yeah but the way they both handle this patient i mean yes there is some disagreements they are not hannah and nelly are not necessarily on the same page in terms of how to handle the patient but both of their approaches to the patient they handle it so well they handle her so well yeah they're 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 there for her i mean they they just clash in their own approach but they're there for her Right. The patient is still at the center of everything. Yeah. So 
she was sexually assaulted and you know but at first she doesn't want to file a police report doesn't have insurance again she wants to keep her name she doesn't want her name anywhere on any files or anything and like hannah is pushing her to report uh because they can't i mean you know you can't do anything unless you there is a police report Mm -hmm. um if you were to want to do something in the future um but nelly stops her because nelly points out the fact that gloria might be undocumented and to me, I don't know about you, but, like, it's a small twist, but it was a twist I didn't even, like, cross my mind. Um, did it cross my mind? I thought, I mean, I have, there was some sort of secret on why I presume that she didn't want to go through with a report and things like that. But, like, I didn't suspect the fact that it was going to be because she was undocumented like I think I think the the minute she said she was like it's not like I'm going to press charges like the way she said that like in such a cavalier way I was like oh I think I started to put it together at that point yeah but so then things get a little a little weird at this point because we get to see Haley which is very nice because hey girl hey but of course she did not go see her brother-in-law which like it's like kind of annoying, but at the same time, I wonder how much she thinks that like he knows about like what's going on with Jay, and she's just like, I can't deal with that. Like for her sake, she's like, I know. Like he reminds me of Jay. Like I'm not, I'm not happy with Jay. Like we're not going there. I yeah, just so many questions that I need answered. Does Will even know that she's his sister-in-law? I mean, we literally have no like canon confirmation of that no no we don't we at least have canon confirmation that will remembered he had a brother but we don't know that he knows that but he has a sister-in-law sister-in-law <sighs> yeah yeah um but it turns out Haley just stopped by because she wants um hannah to check out a you know someone that came into the district you know with like you know potential sexual assault and all of a sudden the you know things start adding up it's like oh well this same happened this one happened to our patient it's like they start putting pieces together that it probably has happened to more than one girl um, by the same person mm-hmm. um and like we said hey, throughout this whole thing hannah and nelly have kind of clashed on terms of how to handle the whole situation but it turns out the reason hannah feels so strongly about her you know approach is because it's personal for her i'm not suggesting that gloria do this for someone else I'm thinking of Gloria and how it's going to feel to carry this trauma for the rest of her life. My college roommate, Annie, was raped at a frat party. She didn't know who did it, didn't report it to anyone, and she said exactly what Gloria said. She just wanted to forget it ever happened. And so she put all her energy into pretending like it didn't matter. Like holding someone accountable didn't matter. And somewhere along the way, I think she began to believe it didn't matter that she didn't matter. And she carried that feeling as long as she could before taking her own life. Oh, Hannah, I'm so sorry. No, I'm not. I'm not insensitive to the enormity of what we are potentially asking Gloria to do. It's just I have seen the other side of it. The consequence of sweeping a trauma under the rug. Um, I really liked getting to see more, like learning more about Hannah, not just as, you know, a person, but like 
more of her life and, you know, more reasons on why, you know, she is the way she is as a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I really like seeing that. Yeah, she's so empathetic and just, just so, so good. Like, she's, she's exactly the doctor you want in that kind of situation. And even as simple as, like, doing the exam, how she was giving her the play-by-play, she's like, okay, now I'm going to put my hand here. Now yeah. you're going to feel this. Like, she's just, like, she's, she's the, she's the doctor that you want in any sort of crisis like that. Yeah. Um, but then by Hannah opening up and telling her story, Nellie decides to tell gloria and hannah because hannah's in the room too you know tell her side on why she is feeling the way she's feeling uh before you go gloria i wanted to uh, share something with you it's not something a lot of my colleagues know um something dr asher doesn't know I'm, um, I'm undocumented. My family immigrated to the U.S. before I could walk. And as a DACA recipient, I'm legally allowed to work and live here, but I still keep my immigration status close to the vest. But I'm telling you because I trust you. And I trust Dr. Asher. So if you ever want to report what happened now or at some point in the future, Dr. Asher and I know someone who will have your back. Oh man, this was, it was like pulling at my heartstrings. I was like, same okay so so if Nellie's a DACA recipient and that allows her to stay in the country does that mean that her parents are not in the U.S. I don't know I guess I I don't know enough about like I mean I obviously know what DACA is but Mm -hmm. you know all the little different things I don't know right because you know DACA programs allow some individuals who entered the U.S. without authorization as children to remain in the country um, eligible to work. I don't know. I don't. I was just googling. I don't know. That's like I just. I I don't know. I tried to just kind of like put myself in Nelly's shoes for like a, a, just a minute or two and just kind of understand. Like I couldn't fathom just kind of living in a country where you've pretty much got to stay under the radar and like if you're caught in any way shape or form just going about your life like you risk getting deported yeah well and there, like you said yeah there's so much you can't do because like you said there's the fear of being deported like some of the things that we I think take for granted on like how mundane and simple they are for us to do like Mm -hmm. no can't do it right it's crazy yeah it just definitely made like made me respect nelly a lot more um made me realize you know why you know she is the way she is as a doctor and why you know she thinks the way she thinks and approaches things the way she does it just it made me respect her a lot more same yeah same yeah same um but yeah, so basically, I mean, the way this ends, it's on, it is on a good note, you know, even like 
Hannah at the end is like, you know, I won't tell anyone, I promise. And it's just like the way that the women in the franchise really rally around each other and the way the women friendships on Med are handled specifically. It's just so good. It's just, it's really good. Really, really good tonight. And I'm just, I'm, I love the way that Haley came in at the end and Haley was like, okay, so call me Haley. We can do whatever you want. We can talk about this however you want, but like, I'm here for you as well. It was, it was really, really Really well done. Really well done. And I feel like they handled it in a, like, not in something over the top and dramatic, but like, this is something that happens a lot to a lot of women. Um, And like Jetsy was talking about, on in our interview like even if you haven't been personally affected by sexual assault then someone that you know probably has and I just I thought they really handled it in a way that wasn't like trying to make it this huge dramatic thing but like really show like they cared this they they really crafted the storyline with a bunch of care and tenderness and I I really I really felt that yeah yeah they did they did a really good job with a really delicate topic that's not easy to do yeah yeah for sure really good but yeah now and just hearing Nellie talk about how precarious things are with DACA how like on a whim it just depends on you know whoever's in office as to whether it's gonna hold up yeah well because obviously like I remember the whole conversation with DACA you know a few years ago like in the transition between Obama and Trump it was like is DACA gonna go away forever like you know what's going on and then now I think things are better but like that could easily change in two years too which is kind of scary to think about given this week's news yeah yeah yep so really really good powerful story yeah yeah really 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 well done really good um and like i could go for a a budding friendship between hannah and ellie i enjoyed that yeah really just hannah and everyone like i just want to see hannah with like everyone yes hannah with everybody would be great so next up we've got maggie and this Maggie, is not that great. Which is not that great. Maggie. I'm Lynn. so mad at her and I never thought I would say that. Oh, same. 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 I'm so mad. Okay. So, so first of all, I mean, and, and we can cover it more when we get to Ethan's spot, but like, why not? We'll just cover it now. Okay. So, so w- the very first scene of the episode, Archer's like, and he's in his locker and you just kind of see in everybody's lockers, there's kind of like an envelope with some like cursive writing on it, whatever. So Doris walks in to Maggie and Doris is like, dude, I just grabbed this from your locker. Like you need to open this now. Cause I'm Maggie, guessing she's like, the fuck? Yeah. 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 So Maggie opens it and she just looks and she goes, oh my God. And she just like runs to the elevator as Ethan's getting off. And he, she's like, seriously, like really? And they have the sweetest hug because it's a wedding invitation. Ethan and April are getting married. I'm like, never thought, if you had asked me like even a year ago, if I thought I would be like this happy about April and Ethan getting married, I would have said hell no. But here we are, and I just, like, have all the feels, and oh my it's just, gosh. it's amazing. I, like, the, like, I was just, like, so elated, like, my, my eyes, like, welled up, and then at the commercial, I was like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Oh, I was so happy. It so was, happy. it's, yeah. And, like, because especially as soon as Ethan starts talking about it, like, you can see in the smile on his face, like, just how happy he is about it, and I it's know. just, like, my heart. I my know. Heart. And just, heart. just the hug, like, Maggie just, like threw her whole body into it she was so happy for them and everything also their anniversary day is going to be my birthday so pretty cool you're never gonna forget that one no i'm not also dossie's well dossie's anniversary was december 8th uh but yes you know uh we know how that worked out but 
beside the point, Ethan and April are getting married. I'm so happy. I'm so okay. happy. I again, so happy. I'm mm, amazing. But does part of you feel like a little and I get it. Obviously, they're doing all of this to like write Brian off the show, right? We haven't really gotten a ton of Yaya. You know, like she's been here and there, but like not a ton of yaya. And I get that that's why we didn't get this. But does part of you feel like a teeny tiny bit gyp that like we don't get like a redo, like a redo of the proposal? I don't. I given- don't feel. I don't feel gypped. I would have liked to have seen it, but I'm okay with it that we didn't. I would have liked to have seen it, but I'm I'm fine I, with it. I guess it's just the only part about the whole. April and Ethan thing that's been a little hard for me to wrap my head around and like how we ended up now that they're getting married again is just like we've seen it's all existing in the white space because we really haven't gotten to be have yaya for so much time mm-hmm. and so for me I'm just like but wait what was the conversation like like how did we get there like I just I would like to see the like 2.0 version of all of this stuff and like see them back falling in love and see them how we got to this point and like the proposal and whatever I mean, I'm still excited about it. And I understand, like I said, I understand why we didn't get it, but it's just like in my perfect world, I would have yeah. it. Yeah. And we keep hearing every episode, Ethan's just like, it's just so much easier this time. It's just so much easier this time. We and we don't see any of it. We haven't seen yeah. any of it. Yeah. And that's the only thing that like, again, I'm happy for all of this. I'm so excited to see a wedding next week, but or not next week, but in a couple weeks, but yeah. like next episode. But still, I'm just like, a little sad too i loved that whole scene though how like maggie hugs him and then they zoom in on the invite and just like "Mm." okay someone was it lauren that pointed out that like it looks very similar to your wedding invite i mean i yeah i noticed that too but i mean i feel like that's every wedding invite is right like a bunch of colorful flowers and some cursive writing and boom you've got a wedding invite every wedding invite but like yeah it it, well just the colors i don't know it did look like yours though no, I, I caught that too. I did catch that too. We can post the side by side for comparison. Um, <laughs> Gina yeah. and Charlie did it first. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. And like, I gave them permission to get married on my birthday. It's totally cool. Um, oh yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Totally kidding. Before you throw tomatoes at me, I'm totally kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, just, and I just, I, I feel like lately we've been, we've been so desperate for any sort of happy moment whatsoever on all three shows that like, this is nice. Yeah. When I think it just, again, and we'll see how it plays out in the mid-season finale, but it just, it it's the way that if a character is going to be written out and, like, an actor wants to leave or whatever, like, this is just how it's done. Like, it's all happy leading up to this. So, like, yes, it's going to be sad when it actually, we realize that he's, like, going to be gone. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's all happy until, like, that's the way this should be done. And I think that just adds to the whole, like, feeling of the moment. Yeah, if this goes the way we think it's going to go, where they they have a, a no like no problem wedding, they run off into the sunset together. I think that will go down as like the best exit in one Chicago history. Do we get like? Do you think we get like a full on wedding? I like, what is this. the wedding like? What's the vibe of the wedding going to be like? Is it just going to be like two seconds? Do we get like a wedding and a reception or whatever? Like, do we get the whole, cause you obviously got to write Ethan out too, but then we've got this OR 2.0 thing happening. Like what is the and there was going to be like? There was no mention of the wedding in the promo too. And no, that's it what was got me all concerned. OR. It was all OR 2.0. I, I think it's going to be the end of the, the mid season. It is. Right. I think it's going to be the end, but I'm really hoping they give it like a solid, like 10 minutes so we can see like the ceremony and the vows and like, you know, I feel yeah. like we've earned that as, as you know, 
fans and people who have supported Ethan since day one and April. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It better be good. Yeah. Back to Maggie. You're still in trouble, Missy. Okay. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, so Grant shows up completely unannounced because that's what he does. For fuck's sake, Grant. Like. Well, and then the thing, though, is like. He's like trying, he's like, Maggie, you come out now, like, come see my car. And she's like, I'm working, like, leave me the fuck alone. Like, yeah, it's one thing if you show up to an unannounced to like an office job or something, because nothing's so dire there that like, you know, it can't wait a little bit. Maggie works at a fucking hospital. She runs the ED. You can't just pluck her out of it on a whim and just be like, hey, I need to show you something totally insignificant. Yep. <sighs> Fuck's sake, Grant. Okay. So Grant restored his old car. Which, like, it's a Monte Carlo, but they don't really give us a year. Um, But, yeah, he restored his old car. He's like, you're the only one who will understand this. And Maggie's like, oh, my God, like, the vinyl's not peeling. And you restored this and you restored that. Um, I I realized in this moment that Grant is definitely that guy who peaked in high school. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And still wants to talk all about high school. Because that's what he peaked. Yep. 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 Yeah. So Grant's like, what do you say? Like one last spin around the block for old time's sake? No, no, because she is the charge nurse and she runs a whole ass ED. And if she leaves, people die. Yep. She takes the spin. Maggie? Yeah. Maggie. Okay. So they're like riding around in the car. They're at a red light or something. And Grant's just straight up staring at Maggie. Like, dude. She's a married woman. Like, the disrespect. Yeah. Oh, my God. Why are men? Why are men and why do we let them? <sighs> okay. So, yeah, he's, just like, straight up just staring. And Maggie's, like, you're literally just, like, looking at me. What are you doing? And he's just, like, you know, I just don't get the same rush with other people that I do when I'm with you. And they're at this red light. And they lean in for a kiss. They lean in. Not just Grant. Maggie leans in, too. Yep. Margaret Elizabeth Lockwood, and I'm guessing at her middle name. <laughs> Bad. I know. This I was so mad. I was just like. Ben would be so pissed. Yeah. And rightfully so. Yeah. And really, that's not even the thing that pisses me off the most because not saying I agree with her decision if she had if they had really actually gone in for the kiss or anything, but like it's clear that however Maggie and Grant ended that we still don't really have the full story on like why they ended the way they did in high school. You know, like it's still, there's still some missing details there, but whatever. There's still some unrequited feelings. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. And I get that obviously when you haven't seen someone in like 20 plus years at this point, like those feelings may come back and they may even lean, you may even lean into them. Okay. Not... I wouldn't personally don't agree with that, but like, okay, fine. I could, I could get on board with that. What pisses me off is what happens after this. Well, I, I'm, and I thought about this too, right? Because I, you know, I, 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 I have a problem with thinking that about how, you know, Hey, she's seeing this guy for the first time in 20 years and all of a sudden, boom, the feelings are back. Like nothing ever happened. Like that. I have a hard time wrapping my head around that one, but the thing about their relationship that I I think is a portion of them that I will never understand is that they made a baby together and you know, they may have been really young at the time, but I feel like that's gotta be something that binds you and just regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless. So 
that's the only thing I can think of. Otherwise, I mean, this just doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, you haven't seen this guy since you were a teenager and you're a happily married woman. And now you're just like going on joy rides with him. Yeah. After you told your husband nothing was going to happen. Yep. Oof. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they almost kiss and they don't. And so they basically, you know, Grant goes forward in the intersection and they get hit because of course they do. I really thought Grant was going to die. A lot of us did. I really thought he was going to die. A lot of us did. Yeah. Yeah. So they they go into med and, uh, you know, Maggie's Maggie's okay. She's like got a couple little cuts. No, no big deal. Grant's got a giant laceration on his leg. So he's a little bit worse off, but like really not by much. Uh, and so Sharon's like, okay, Maggie, like come with me. I'm going to check you out because you're being stubborn. Let's get away from Will and Grant. Let's give them some space, you know, do their thing. And so as Goodwin is checking her out, Maggie just completely unsolicited. She just says, she's like, it's not what it looks like, Sharon. And Goodwin just says, she's like, well, who said it looked like anything? That's a good friend. Mm-hmm. That's a good friend right there. Uh, but yeah, so she's like, who said it looked like anything? And then she goes, nobody's judging you. And I was like, mm. But deep down, way deep, 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 deep down, Sharon Goodwin is, of course, judging you. Well, no, I don't. I don't think Goodwin's judging, but like you know, you know, Doris and Trini are going to talk about this on their podcast. No, I think Goodwin a little bit, way deep down, I think she is. She's got questions for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and how interesting was it? Just in in certain like in Will's mannerisms, he obviously had no clue the connection between Grant and Maggie. Grant, yeah, no idea beyond the fact that probably Grant was Vanessa's dad. Even that. I mean, I don't even know if he knew that. He may have known that, but that's if, if he knew anything, that was it. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so Will's like, well, do you want me to call Ben? And she's like, no, he's at a conference. I'll just tell him when he gets back on Friday. Maggie. Maggie. Oh, my God. Um, and even when she says that, like, Will has a little bitty glance with Goodwin. And I feel like in that moment, like, he's trying to say, like, what's going on here? And Goodwin just like, not now. Not now. Yeah. Just don't don't yeah so maggie goes to talk to grant and like fucking finally just here look i i just been lying here doing a lot of thinking and i crossed the line plain and simple i'm really sorry maggie running around that old monte carlo i think we just both forgot ourselves for a moment i guess i thought maybe we could be friends but just too much history yeah i know that now i do i feel like we've only been waiting for this for episodes now took you long enough yeah i was never sure of his intentions yeah like Like, i I don't think he meant anything like harm you know like harmful or malicious or anything i think he just clearly had something for maggie and he wasn't gonna let the fact that she was married like stop that but like he he should have been like conscientious of that imo just me my humble opinion yeah yeah but then what really irks me is the fact that maggie you know they agree they're like okay we're just friends like this can't happen whatever okay cool but then maggie's still not gonna tell ben at all nope nope not even about the car accident what what and, he, and at that point, Sharon's like, maybe what are you doing? Don't make that decision right now. 
Yeah. Like, I, and she brings up a good point. She's like, think about how, think about if the roles were reversed. Like, how would you feel if he didn't tell you? And I think if, if Charlie didn't tell me that he was in an accident, I think I would be, I would be like, hey, you know, I'm glad you're not hurt, but also I would be concerned that he felt the need to hide need it. To hide it. Yeah. 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 I like, I don't think I agree. I don't think Ben would have been happy about the fact that she was spending time with Grant and whatever. But I think the reason he's mad at her about the Grant situation is because she didn't open up to him as much as she should have in the beginning. Yeah. So I think the fact that she's now doubly hiding this is going to be, you know, is going to be what hurts him more. Like, I mean, yeah, he's probably, he would have been probably pissed that like she was hanging out with Grant, but like if she just come being honest about the situation i think that would have been a lot less hurt yeah and 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 what she's doing is completely opposite what she's saying to ben you know she keeps saying to ben she's like nothing's gonna happen you know like we're not gonna see each other nothing and yet on multiple occasions now ben has kind of caught her with grant and it's not you know catching her isn't my favorite verbiage but that's kind of the situation they're in now yeah unfortunately it's crazy Mm-hmm. Maggie. Okay, but here's the other question I had. The way she was just so certain in this. Okay. Is Maggie is she unhappy in her marriage? I don't know. Like, it's so hard because until these last few episodes, we just don't ever see we hardly we don't get a lot of time with Ben. Mm-hmm. So like we then don't hear a lot about what's going on with Maggie and Ben and their marriage. So like it's so hard to know what's really going going on because we just haven't focused on it. Yeah. Um but I don't know. There's got to be something going on. So yeah, something's at play. Because like, it, as I was outlining this, I, I I typed in at one point. I was like, "Girl, if you're not happy, you just need to say it." But then I thought about it. And I was like, "She may not know that that's the problem." Yeah. Well, and then the other part of me, like the more practical, like viewer point of me, is like, I just thought about this. Like, besides Ethan and April, which is a happy moment, whatever. We're gonna live in that bubble, you know, whatever. And that's happening mostly off screen. We don't have any other ships going on right now. Like, they, they are the relationship to have. Like, if they're going to have relationship drama, like, that is the relationship to have drama with. True. So, like, you know, I wonder if that's part of the reason why we're having all this, like, relationship drama, too. Is because, like, right now, that is the only ship to have relationship drama with. No, you're right. You're right. You know what? And the other thing, too, is if I'm Ben, if I'm Ben and Vanessa is gone... In my head, the glue that bound them together is gone. And now I don't have to worry about Maggie and Grant. And the fact that they're still in each other's orbit now that Vanessa has gone, that's yeah. concerning. Well, that's even last week, you know, what, she, you know, with the whole jacket thing, he was like, I thought now that Vanessa's gone, like Grant was going to be gone. And when he showed up with the jacket, he was, that's why Ben was like, what the fuck? Like, mm-hmm. why is this happening? Yeah. 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 Hold I don't know. Together, you two. Yeah. Like, I don't want them to, I like Maggie and Ben. I don't want them to be, you know, not together, divorced or whatever. Like, I don't want that. Right. No. I don't want it. No, I don't want that either. No. Yeah. Mm. They better pull together. Yeah. Yeah. So. Last up, I think last up, right? Yeah, last up. I usually say last up and then it's not the last. Okay. Ethan and Dr. Charles, take it away, Brenna. 
All right. And there's uh, there's a little bit of Archer in here, too. Um, So we start off and like Gina mentioned earlier, we literally one of the first things we see in that first, you know, opening stuff is we Archer is still popping pills. He is very much clearly still in pain. He even at one point like lifts up the shirt to look at the bruise or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. on his stomach. And it's like it's really bad. Like it's still not great. No. And he's not taking care of it because he doesn't want to admit that he has a problem and that he's not okay right not even just beyond the pill part but like he doesn't want to admit he wants to be strong and like he's not he's not Mm -hmm. okay right now um but like we said earlier we already talked about the fact that like how we find out about ethan and april and them getting married or whatever and then we get a scene and dr charles and ethan end up having a little coffee together and dr charles makes a joke about it. he's like you mean you couldn't waited like two seconds for me to pull out my wedding tux or whatever and then we get this scene congrats on your big news buddy mazel tov thank you i'm pretty excited could have given me a little more time to dust off the old tux though damn <laughs> sorry about that but you know with my dad's passing crystallized a lot for me about the man i want to be the life i want to have and an urgency to get those changes now makes sense that's probably why things are so easy with april this time around i guess i got closer to the guy she was holding out for nice oh man i know i love them i love hearing him talk about how like it's just so easy this time and like my dad dying really clarified like who i wanted to be and what i wanted and just like oh yes you go you marry her and you run off into the sunset i wish we could see it but it is interesting though when he says though i you point you pull it out in the outline it says i guess i got closer to the guy she was holding out for i guess i haven't gone and rewatched like kind of the beginning of april and ethan and like how they turned so toxic Mm. in a long i haven't gone back and watched those episodes but like I don't know. I just, I guess I haven't noticed as much of a change in Ethan. I mean, I've noticed some change. Obviously, he's mellowed out a lot more. Like, you know, I've noticed some change, but I guess I didn't realize they were on such a dis. I mean, obviously, they were on disagreement in terms of the baby stuff. Like, that was a whole hot mess. Oh, they disagreed about like every single thing, like just little shit they would disagree over just for argument's sake. Yeah. No, I remember that part. I just, it's something about that freight you know i got closer to the guy she was holding out for i didn't realize that like it, he wasn't meeting her standards i obviously knew they weren't necessarily compatible at that point but i guess i didn't realize that she he wasn't meeting her standards because that's kind of the way this makes it seem it's interesting it's interesting getting each of their perspectives on it right because in in the early days of ethan and april I know we were always saying that April felt like she had these standards of Ethan's to meet and she just tried so hard that she was putting herself in harm's way. So I, I wonder if, I wonder if Ethan was even aware of that back in the day or if, if and he might not have been and yeah. like, we just weren't aware of it. Like he might not have been either. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause I would have thought, like we said, Ethan had all those high standards and that's why April did all those things, you know, especially when it came to the pregnancy, you know, or trying to get pregnant and all those things. But yeah, I guess I just didn't realize it was in the reverse. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, the patient that Ethan and Dr. Charles are working on is, well, they have a random guy come out and basically be like, yo, this homeless guy that lives by my building, like something's wrong. But I've tried to call an ambo and like, 
they're basically 20 minutes out like can you guys come take a look at them and they're like yeah sure because it's just like i guess around the corner so patient again homeless man he basically had an infection after a procedure and there's like a lot of puzzle pieces they have to figure out with this because it's like okay well then what like what procedure did he have like they start trying to pull his records and he's like oh he went to this hospital but then how did he get there whatever and then they ask him and he's like oh a random lady took him and they're like wait what and there's just like a lot of puzzle pieces to figure out but basically what they've kind of figured out is that this random lady that took him basically took him and committed medicaid fraud is what ethan is suspecting um and yeah basically used him to kind of work the system you know so that insurance would pay for you know like all those just like stupid shit sounds like he had a completely like needless procedure and they kind of preyed on him because he's homeless right and they're like oh yeah no you need this and it's like no he didn't need this and what it turns out he actually really needed was because he has the reason he's having all these issues now is what you know after what they realized from the infection is that he has advanced stage prostate cancer. So like while they have a random doctor who was performing bogus procedures and doing all these things that he didn't need, they could have been treating him for something real and potentially saved his life. And now he's at the point where he can't do anything about it. Yeah. It's way too far gone. Yeah. Yeah. So then we get this last scene with Ethan and Archer and Ethan is just like pissed about the whole medical system basically. You know, I love to put the blame solely on Dr. Grainer. But more than one bad actor, Bell Buddy. Well, what do you mean? He's gonna die from one of the most survivable cancers. With early intervention, this was treatable. It shouldn't be killing him. Our system failed, Buddy. And it fails people just like him every day because the people who need us the most never even make it through our doors it's too late when do we decide that's okay that that's just the way it is can't be i'm not gonna let it i guess we're setting up his exit yeah, I think he and April are going to go, like, fight the good fight and try to, I don't know what, but, like, fight the good fight and, like, be advocates for something and people. And that's my guess. Um, That is a limited series spinoff on Peacock that I would watch. Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. I just want to see them be happily married. Yeah. So, but, yeah. One one more episode of Ethan, and then that's. I it. know I'm sad. I now know. I'm like sad. I was just so happy thinking about it. Now I'm like I'm sad. Let me get one more. Any other notes on Med? Good episode. Yeah, very good episode. And make sure you stick around at the end of this episode to listen to our interview with Jesse. She was lovely. So much fun. So much fun, and there is homework movie talk too. So, yes, yeah. <laughs> of course, obviously, duh, obviously, I'm. I don't know if you've noticed, I was drinking out of my mug that says this is my Christmas movie mug. Not an episode unless Pepper speaks up. Yes, I love it. Yeah. Movie mug. I love that so much. Yay. Oh, love. Okay. Moving into fire. I mean, I liked it. I was just kind of like, okay. I mean, 
I didn't hate it, but like, eh, it was okay. Okay. So I will start by saying that I feel like this Herman story got a little bit too much attention for being the B story. I will say though, I guess for me, I thought like, I, you know, I had not a great day yesterday. And so yeah. like seeing Herman be like the old man fighting against Gen Z, like blah, blah, blah. Like I, it was kind of, it gave me the laugh I needed. So uh-huh. like I was fine with it, but yeah, it was definitely, there was like a lot there for it being a B, you know, BC, whatever storyline. Which like, okay. And I'm, I'm not saying it was bad. It wasn't, it was, you know, it was amusing, but like. I feel like Herman getting all up in arms about a stop sign is very grumpy old man of him. Yes, exactly. But that's what I loved about it. I wa- I like the grumpy old man. And, you know, every now, I don't need it in, like, every episode because sometimes that gets to be a lot. But, like, when we have an episode like this where you get to see Herman really be the old grumpy man, like, I don't know, that's Herman to me. Like, I really, I like that part of it. Yeah. And for me, like, I'm so over, and we'll get there in, later but like i'm really over the like severide fire cop like prima stuff mm-hmm. and so for me like the fact that we didn't have like a ton of that and i would have rather had more herman and less of severide prima mm-hmm. so like for me i was like okay like i'll take this this is fine like i like this yeah that's fair that's fair so so herman's walking across the street to the firehouse someone runs the stop sign like I I just I feel like that's a really weird thing to get like supremely pissed off over. But it's Herman. Like yeah. it's Herman. Yeah. No, but yeah, he true. is pissed. And when he starts he's like, I have half the mind to start making citizens arrest. Like, can you just imagine Herman making him a citizen arrest? I I I don't even I don't even know. Like I just uh, I yeah, hey, you I, really I hated it. you really hated this storyline i yeah i just you know i i i don't know what it i what it was about this episode it just kind of irked me like as a whole it just kind of like just bugged me like little things right like the carver gallo stuff we're gonna get there in a minute because that that bothered me like i was i have opinions on that and so i think just herman getting supremely pissed off about a stop sign like that didn't really help all the evan mentions Okay, like, I'm not, like, bitching about it. I'm saying that, like, it hurts, okay? It hurts. You're, like, reopening an old wound. So, like, just kind of, like, saying his name over and over again, it's just kind of, I'm like, okay, like, I'm, I'm trying real hard to put that behind me of the time I watched what, you know, Hawkins get, like, pummeled by a building. Trying to put it behind me, but it keeps coming up. So, I don't know. I, I don't, yeah, I didn't hate this episode. It just kind of bothered me. I don't know. I mean that's fair obviously you you just seem like with this storyline specifically that it's like really not your favorite not my favorite because I, I just and I, I can't really like articulate it exactly it just it just like it's it, I feel like there are better things to get up in arms about but also with that said we've all had really bad days where one thing that is completely insignificant just puts us over the edge yeah we've all had that day so really I'm nobody to judge yeah yeah, I could imagine him making citizens arrest, and then I can imagine Trudy showing up at the end and just be like, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" Like, really? It's just like that idea of just Herman making a citizens arrest. Like, it's just hysterical to me. I know. Like, you stop, and then the guy keeps running, and he's just like, "You're not making yeah. this easy." And he's got like, um, you know, like fake 
uh handcuffs or whatever from like that are like toy handcuffs <laughs> they're or like whatever. annabelle's like, yeah. yeah yeah or like lee henry's old old like toy handcuffs that have been passed down between all the siblings like they're just yeah oh my god yeah i could see that oh my god and then he like gets zip ties and they're like now we have to stop you like that yeah. you have no 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 yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah. man that's funny that's funny so uh herman sees another car run the stop sign on the way out of shift with mouch and ritter and he's just like blaming everything on gen z he's like this is gen z's fault and ritter's like i'm sorry where are you going with this and yeah. then herman like finishes the thought and he's like exactly where i thought we were going okay this is not gen z's fault yeah I like I I don't know I really hate when like I mean would we call Herman a boomer I guess we would uh he is like, a boomer when like boomers start to blame millennials for all their problems I'm like no no uh-uh, uh-uh we're not doing that like that bugs me like irrationally so so I was just like don't take this out on Ritter and Gen Z don't take this out on them they are perfect little angels leave them alone yeah um, I didn't think it was funny though. He's like, I'm gonna have to do something to restore order around here. And it's just like Herman. Okay. okay. Like that I I mean not taking it too far, but also like it's so Herman. Restore yeah. or Herman would say restore order. Yeah, in yeah. Terms of, like a freaking stop sign. Yeah. So at Molly's later, Herman's like, Mouch, I need your motorcycle. And just like those words alone, I was like, Oh, <laughs> oh Jesus. Oh shit. I feel like Mouch having a motorcycle in general is just such a bad, dangerous idea. Like but also the most amazing idea. Yes, but also the most amazing idea. I feel like at, at some point or another, that motorcycle is going to get every single person in the firehouse in some sort of trouble. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe not all at once, but like, you know, different sets. Okay, so we cut to Herman putting a scarecrow, aka a fake cop, as in like he grabs one of like the dummies um, on the motorcycle to hopefully scare the cars into making the full stop at the stop sign. Only Herman only herman yeah literally would not have even crossed my mind only yep. herman yep so it's up for like five seconds maybe and this car like screeches past the stop side these teenagers get out and they take selfies with it it's going great yeah it's going so great so herman's like mouch like you gotta talk to trudy about this like please for the love of god like get somebody out here and mouch is like you're the only person who has complained about this they're not going to do shit like nothing yeah. is going to happen so Mouse is like, okay, well, I talked to, I talked to Trudy, like she's going to see what she can do. So Herman's leaving shift at one point. Mouch calls him and is like, hey, you left this behind. Well, now guess who runs the stop sign? Yeah. It's Herman. Herman does a U-turn. He completely runs the stop sign and Trudy is right there to pull him over and give him a citation. And he's like, you've got to be motherfucking kidding me. Like, yeah. he's just like so done at that point. And I'm just like, this is the best. And she like, makes no apology she's oh, no. like she's like going with here him. yeah yeah if i'm gonna be here then like you're getting the fucking ticket yeah. like i'm sorry i love trudy trudy forever and this is two weeks of trudy on fire in a row i will I take it i will take it i'm not nope not no complaints over here loved it i mean yes more please yes more give please. me that yes more please she's yeah. so funny on fire she's so funny it's so good. It she just so plays good. off of, because obviously most of the people she's op acting opposite of are either Christian or David. And she just, the three of them, like, playing off each other, it just worked so well. Yeah. So, so, so good. good. Love yeah. it. I would love to have her on the podcast. She doesn't do well, a lot of interviews, but, like, she'd be a good no, interview. No. Yeah. The one, we and we, because we really didn't even get to ask her anything the one time she was on, one Chicago day. Yeah. But, Ugh. yeah. 
So next up, we've got Carver and Gallo. Just just get ready for this one because, yeah, we, we I think we've established we didn't really agree on this one. So this will be We agree, I think, in some parts, and I think we disagree in other parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. go ahead. Okay. So basically, all of 51 gets called to this, like, bus that crash. And, you know, there's a fire at top with the gas, whatever. Anyway, not important. So one rider, everyone gets out, and one rider is stuck, like, way in the back. So Stella says, like, hey, Carver Gallo, you go get him out. So Carver tells Gallo that they're going to go back the way they came. And Gallo's like, no, that's going to take too long. He's like, I have an idea. And he, like, busts out another window, and they just take the victim out with them. And, I mean, it's Gallo, so, like, okay. But also, we saw how long it took them to get in. So for them to get out the other, like, the same way was going to take just as long when Gallo kicking out the window was like two seconds. Yeah, I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but Mm-mm. whatever. But like Stella's like, oh man, Gallo, like that's like super impressive. And Carver's just like pissed. He's just like, okay. So then we get back to 51 and Carver pulls Gallo aside and he's like, hey, can I talk to you for a second? And this is how this conversation goes down. I just want to know if you're going to make a habit of winging it out there and leaving the rest of us to play catch up. What are you talking about? I had my webbing out. I was telling you the plan. But I had a better plan. And lucky for us, it worked. But what if that window held and you're messing around with it instead of following the instructions I already gave you? Am I supposed to take orders from you? You're not my lieutenant. I got more years on the job than you. Well, I got more years than you on truck 81. By a lot. Kid is my third officer on the same rig, so I'm going to take my orders from her. If that's, that's cool with you. Gallo, this is a dangerous job. Not some extreme sport for you to get your kicks. I don't mind working alongside some excitable kid, but you need to know when to quit playing superhero and maybe listen to someone who's seen a lot worse stuff than you. You know, Carver, I did nothing but welcome you to 51 with open arms, tried everything I could to get to know you better. What a waste of time that was. Oh my God, they handled this like seventh graders. Yeah, this was not good. And I guess I really thought that the whole, and we'll get, like, I really thought that it's clear that something happened, like, in kind of maybe a similar situation that Carver, and I think Carver's trying to come from a good place, but it just does not come off that way at all. No, but I, I mean, I don't know if I agree that it came from a good place, because then he starts just, like, calling names, like, Gallo, he's like, you're an excitable kid, you keep trying to play superhero, like, that's the same thing that, like, everybody said about him when he first joined 51, and he, like, he hates that, so Carver was kind of lashing out. We don't, the thing is, I think what you have to remember, though, is that Carver has some kind of trauma that clearly happened on a call that we don't know anything about, and, like, was that because he was once maybe like a gallo and did something and overreacted or, you know, didn't think about something and was like a Spider-Man type character. And then, you know, that's why he really, the fact is we don't know what happened to Carver. And I think that's why it's hard to say you get a read on some of, you know, his intentions when he says things. What are because we waiting for? We don't know what happened. Don't remind me. I'm like so mad. Mm-mm. Yeah. What are we waiting for? I just don't, this would have been the perfect time to spill Carver's secret. Uh-huh. The perfect episode. And they didn't do it. And why are they taking so much time with this secret? They've never taken this much time for that before. No. And the thing that 
you know, like when we talked to Jake a few weeks ago, I mean, granted, that was a few weeks ago at that point, but he was like, yeah, like we really haven't filmed that. And I was like, you, but you're telling me it's like the end of October and you haven't filmed it yet? I don't understand. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't understand. Like, yeah, like like you said, what are we waiting for? I don't know. What happens first? Berserk Water becomes detectives or we learn Carver's secret? <laughs> Uh, oh, at this point, I mean, it's been 10 years for Persic Water, so I'm going to say Carver, but like, hmm. probably. Uh, why? <laughs> yeah. 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 But regardless, regardless of whether Carver had good intentions or not or whatever, like he was way out of line. Like, I think there's a way to like respectfully have this conversation, but this was not it. No. But I also feel like Carver got pissed for nothing. Right. But I think regardless of whether he got pissed about nothing or not, because I mean, we all have those things that just like something happens and you like that really just piss you off. Uh And then you really want to go confront the person about it. But I think in terms of there are ways to confront the person about that situation that aren't this. Yeah. So. Yeah. But anyway, so then they do this drill, I assume, or whatever. And Cell's like, hey, Carver Gala, like, go put the ladder away. And she just, like, immediately notices the tension between them. And she's like, Mount, what's going on? And he's like, ah, Lord knows if I know. So she decides to ask Gallo at Molly's later after shift. And, like, Gallo then kind of does a 180 on Stella and kind of ends up blowing up in her face. And we get this. What's going on with you and Carver? Ask him. He's not here, so I'm asking you. Well, that's kind of the problem, I guess. What is that supposed to mean? Carver always gets a free pass. I don't know, he comes out of nowhere with the big seal of approval from Bowdoin. You don't ask me and Mouch what we think of him, you just hire him on the spot. Hell, you don't even bring the hammer down on him when he ends up in the drunk tank. You you bail him out and chauffeur him home. No wonder he struts around like he owns a place because he basically does. The way I wanted to punch him at this moment. See, and yeah, like, obviously, again, he did not handle this right either. I think his emotions are obviously valid. And I think there is some truth to what Gallo's saying about, like, how, you know, for someone who, I mean, Sella's trying to figure out her way as a lieutenant. And so I think she's kind of tried to figure out, you know, navigate everything as best she can. But, like, you know, Gallo and Mouch have feelings about Carver that definitely weren't always taken into consideration. But th- again, this is not the way you handle that conversation. No, no. And I, I agree with you. I, I Gallo was not wrong. Like the drunk tank part, I was like, oh yeah, why didn't she come down on him for that? Like well, the thing is, I don't even think I realized that Gallo and Mouch knew. Like I knew that obviously Stella knew because she was the one that go bailed him out and Bowden knew, but like, I don't think I realized that the whole firehouse knew about that situation. And why didn't Bowden come down on him? Right. And that's the thing. Bowden keeps seeing that Carver's like this great leader or whatever, but no one else has really seen that yet. Again, because we have all this stuff about Carver's past that we don't know. But again, so yeah, Gallo, I think is very right. I mean, obviously it's his feelings. His feelings are valid about anything, but like. You can't talk to your Lieutenant like that. Right. I just getting in her face about it is not the way to handle that situation either. Mm-mm. No, it's just, yeah. And Everyone then like, is he not handling even, these he, conversations the right way. Yeah, no. And he doesn't even like apologize. He lashes out and then he's just like, Ugh, and just walks away. Like at that, like he, 
I was like completely, I was way back off the gallow train at that point. I was like, he is such a fucking child. I'm over it. Like he drives me nuts. He's a but child. Who's more, who's, I'd see. I think though, in this situation, because Gallo's feelings are valid and we can see where he's coming from, I, I'm i not, I, I, yeah, I don't think Gallo handled the situation, but I'm still more mad at Carver at this point. I'm just like, oh, Carver. See, and this is the point where I kind of threw my arms up and I was like, you both suck. I don't know. Like, you <laughs> both suck. with both of you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of, so the next morning, Stella's, like, asking Severide on his opinion, and Severide's just like, yeah, Gallo can suck it up, like, whatever, and He's Stella's just like, either. Stella's like, yeah, I know, but, like, everyone's feelings, and she's like, I just want to be, cons- you know, I'm, I want to be considerate of how everyone's feeling, and, you know, Stella's, or Severide's just like, yeah, he can suck it up. But- I, I'm just, I'm just saying that, like, I kind of, I'm curious to see i want to see gallo with squad for an episode or two i want to see him under severide for a couple episodes because severide will not oh he's gonna crumble gallo's gonna crumble good yeah i think gallo would crumble i think gallo would eventually work it out right like i think gallo is gonna end up on squad at some point like it's gonna work out yeah but i think in like one day one i think he like thinks he's gonna have it handled and he realized he gets like the reality check that he's like oh no I oh kelly will put the fear of god into him yeah i think it's time for that i just want to see it for like an episode or two yeah so we're back at shift and stella's you know like you know hey carver come talk to me or whatever she's like i want your side of the gal situation and like carver doesn't say anything like too out of line he just says you know listen he's like gal and i don't need to be best friends to work together he's like we're professionals like it's fine like we're fine and stella's like okay yeah you're lying to me but like fine mm-hmm. so then 81 gets called to the situation where basically someone is supposedly stuck on the roof and Gallo ends up climbing up there because they can't get in through the door and sees this guy sitting on the ledge and he's about to jump. So we have like a suicide situation going on and Gallo's the only one up there. So he is the one that tries to talk to the guy and stop him from jumping. And everyone else at first, once they realize it's a suicide situation, they don't even try to come up to the roof. They're just listening in on the walkie-talkies. And so Gallo starts talking and whatever, and he's, you know, trying to reason with the guy. And he ends up even coming, you know, clean about his family. And he's like, you know, every day, he's like, that's all I wish is that my family was still here. And then we, the camera cuts to Carver hearing Gallo say that. And I think it's supposed to imply that Carver's clearly learning about that for the first time that he didn't realize that Gallo's family is all dead. Mm-hmm. You know, like he didn't know that. Um, and just when we think that Gallo's gotten or Gallo thinks that he's gotten the guy off the ledge and that he's going to be okay and not jump, he jumps and Gallo has to watch it. And he's clearly just so shaken by it. Yeah. It's really hard to watch as a viewer. And also when you realize that you're like watching Gallo watch it and you're just like, oh my God. Yeah. And I, I, this plus the med storyline brought up the point again about like maybe when Chicago needs to consider some like trigger warnings at the beginning. Right. Like it's great that they do the, you know, like suicide prevention hotline and sexual assault, you know, at the end of the Mm -hmm. episodes, but like, and that's great and important, but you know, yeah. Some sort of warning at the beginning also would have been nice too. Yeah, it was it 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 was it was it was shocking. So you know that that's yeah, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. 
But at this point, my heart just, like, broke for Gallo because he really thought that he had, like, succeeded. And he just, watching him watch that, I was like, oh, man. Um, I'm not even kidding when I say, like, literally, like, maybe 30 seconds before this happened, I was still ranting to Bryna about Gallo. And I, I like, my last text yes, message were. before this happened was, he's so annoying. And then 30 seconds later, this happened. And you were like, oh, fuck. I mean. Yeah. I, like, I, yeah, I mean. Uh, yeah definitely towards the end of the episode i was like oh honey like i'm so sorry but he still annoyed me early in the episode still but whatever so we're back at the firehouse everyone's trying to tell gallo you know that he did the right thing he should be proud but like gallo was clearly just not okay like he is not okay and then we cut to Cruz, like, mentioning to Carver while they're on that floor. He's like, Gallo's going to hurt himself because, like, Gallo's going ham on the punching bag. And the Cruz just, he's like, Carver, like, he's, you know, Gallo's going to hurt himself. And so then we go to the locker room and Carver apologizes to Gallo for what he said. And at this point, I was like, it's kind of, I mean, I appreciate the fact that Carver apologizes, but it's also like, you were just like way out of line too. Like, and I don't think that's what he really apologized for. Right. And yeah, see, I, I don't know. I feel weird about the whole thing. Cause like, I don't know. He like, he lashes out at him at the beginning and then he's like, oh my God, like your whole family said, I'm so sorry. Well, maybe you shouldn't have lashed out in the beginning. Well, and this, again, this is why I think, they just needed to go ahead and tell us what Carver's secret was. Right. I think that if this ending, you and I really thought then we too, because like basically, so Carver tells Gallo, he's like, we're going to go out to a bar that's not Molly's and like close the place down, get, you know, whatever. They get super drunk, like super drunk, like stumbling out of the bar at 4 a.m. drunk. And then they end up having this heart to heart on the sidewalk. I thought I had him. I don't know. I was absolutely sure. There was nothing more you could have done. Maybe someone else got there first. You got there, Gallo. And you gave him the best chance he could have had. You don't know that. Yeah, I do. You got about the coolest head in a crisis I have ever seen. Keeping your wits when there's 20,000 cubic feet of fuel overhead, ready to blow us all to hell. You'll do whatever it takes to save a life. Sometimes even that isn't enough. That's the job. And sometimes people just. Look, I know it hurts. Believe me, I do. So let it hurt. Feel like you need to cry about it? Do it. You feel like you want to scream or punch someone? Scream at me. Punch me. Do whatever you need to do. But do not let it change the kind of firefighter you are, Gavin. So I'll tell you something. If I'm ever in a tight spot, no other kind of smoke eater I'd rather have in my side. And this is where I thought, and the reason I just went ahead and get, this is where I thought we were going to get, like, Carver telling his side of the story, you know, his story and, like, what his secret was or whatever. But, like, we didn't. And so now I'm kind of just like, okay. I'm just not 
feeling it from Carver. Like that, it, that did not feel genuine to me. Again, I think if they tell us something, like, it's just really like they haven't given us the backstory to like really be like, oh no, this is why he's my favorite. Or like, this is the reason I like him. Because we thought that about Nellie too. And now look at us with Nellie. Yeah. And I think once we get that, I think we'll all start to feel differently about Carver. But like, this just isn't cutting it right now. Right. Like the the novelty of like, the, the novelty of the mystery wears off eventually. Right. And at some point it's just like, okay, this is annoying. Yeah. Now it's annoying. Because yeah. the first couple episodes, we were like, all right, we can play this game. But eight episodes in, we're like, okay, tell us now. Like, right. now it's getting ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking even back about, like, Pelham's situation last year. I think it was, like, what, like, and Pelham wasn't even around that long to begin with. But, like, it was, like, two or three episodes, maybe not even that long before we realized what Pelham's secret was. Yeah. It wasn't that long. Right. Now we're eight episodes on this. It's just, like, and again, I think if he tells... Yeah, even just Gallo, like not coming clean to Stella or anyone else, like just Gallo knows what Carver's secret is. Yeah. I think it changes the dynamic of this episode. And I don't think we're feeling this way. Right. Obviously. But it's just, yeah. Yeah. Cause it just, it, I mean, it just seemed to me like they were being like immature little middle schoolers when really, if we had, you know, some more context behind it, yeah. it would work, you know? Cause again, I think, I mean, again, this is me as a TV viewer. I think it's pretty clear that some of the why Carver's acting the way he does and why he is the firefighter that he is, is because of whatever happened to him. But, like, we don't know that and can't know that until we know what happened to him. Right. And, like, isn't it interesting how when Gallo came along, Casey immediately was like, you don't get to hide your trauma. You have to tell me, like, right now. Like, Casey forced him, like, forced him to say it before he was even ready. And with Carver, Bowden's like, I approve and that's all you need to know. Why aren't we forcing the trauma out of him? Right. And I don't know if I necessarily agreed Casey's approach either because no, I don't I think either. anyone, right, obviously no one should be forced to talk about trauma or, you know, forced to open up about something into, unless they're ready to talk about it. But, but, you know, it's like, yeah, if that is the, pro- I don't know. I don't know. It's just, yeah. 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 I just, I want to like Carver and I'm not like, negative i try not to be like super negative on him it's just like i need to know i'm ready to know at this point i'm just ready yeah yeah i think that that plus gallo like gallo gallowing everywhere i think that that was just kind of oil and water that did not help with this the story to me yeah and so what now are like gallo and carver like bffs Uh, what about ritter yeah i don't know no i'm not here for that I don't know. Um, speaking of the novelty wearing off, let's talk Fire Cop. How is that for a segue? It was uh, a great segue, but this I'm I'm so over this. Okay. So over it. I just I I mean it, it never gets old seeing him talk Fire Cop. It really doesn't. But what what are where are we going? What are we doing? Well, and I thought at first in the beginning of the season, I was like, oh, man, we're going to have, like, one detective that, like, you know, like, Severed's going to be working with PD a lot, like, the Prima stuff. I was like, oh, that could be really interesting. It's not OFI. It's not Seeger. You know, it's not Van Meter. It's, like, someone different. Like, I was like, that could be interesting. I'm just so over this. I, 
Yeah. It's like they took the one thing that was really working in small doses. And now that they've just spent so much time on it over the last year and a half, I'm just like, I, I can't stand it almost at this point. Right. Like, is surely, surely at some point, Severide's got to be like, I just want to do my job. Like, right, let me just go, like, be a squad guy. Yeah, let me go climb on shit and, like, jump from bridges and save people. For once, I just want to do that. Like, I don't know. There's, there's like, there's got to be a boredom factor that comes in at some point, right? Like, isn't Kelly bored? Yeah, I'm bored. I mean, I, it's, be careful what you wish for, right? I don't feel comfortable saying I'm bored, but also I'm just, like, I'm wondering why we're doing this every single week yeah no i mean i would i mean i'm gonna be honest like it's just like that this is like like boring and i hate saying that because i used to love firecrop sev like arson sev is amazing you know i liked seeing him even though i mean it brought us a lot of seager but like still like i used to love like firecrop sev but at this point having it every week like, I am ready to see Severide do something different. I don't know what that looks like at this point. Because Severide's now, like, old and married and, like... <laughs> but honestly, I'd be okay with that. But, like, I just... I'm I'm done. I'm, like, I, I, I'm done. Yeah, this is not This is not entertaining to me anymore. I just have questions. Just, just questions. And, like, I don't like this different angle of it, right? Like, if you're going to make him fire cop every week, just keep him with Man Meter where it's lighthearted and fun. Don't put him with Prima. Prima's annoying. Right. Like, and I don't, I don't want to say, like, you know, you get what you wish for. But, like, I almost would rather have Seeker back. Like, I'd rather you stick with, like, the OFI crew then and again i thought i wanted different like i was like okay no i don't want seager or whatever like give me prima like that sounds interesting but like at this point i'd almost rather have it reverse yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know so um much like every single other episode this season uh prima shows up and asks severide to stop by a scene after shift because you know when you're a cop working a case you're like let me go ask a firefighter yeah yeah so Sev goes to what looks like a completely abandoned warehouse and CPD had gotten some complaints about loud explosions coming from the address a couple nights ago. He doesn't find anything. Sev was like, yeah, these kids were probably just like fucking around with M80s. Yeah. Yeah. So Prima's like, look, I need you to keep digging. So, but like, don't make too much of a fuss because ATF is going to take over this case. And Sev's like, the fuck is why? Why is ATF involved? And why are you just like looping me into this without telling me that? Yeah. Yeah. So one suspect that they've been after for a while just so conveniently had his car parked outside the building on the night in question. So Prima's like, yeah, I need to find him. Like, help me. And so Severide's like, all right, okay, cool. So Sev works on the case and Stella's just as confused on why Prima went to Sev as he is. And Sev just says, he's like, there's definitely something he's not telling me. Oh boy, is there. I know, right? Oh boy, is there, yeah. And like, oh God, I just- yeah, no, Prima's, Prima's annoying me. He's just annoying me. Like, yeah. no. So Prima stops by shift and Sev tells him what he found. And he thinks that the blast was like a military grade explosive, which like, okay, casual. Uh, so he and Sev think that it was the guy he has had his eye on, on showing a potential buyer how to use the weapons. There's basically like a lot more shit that meets the eye here. Mm-hmm. So 
cut to Prima showing up at the loft during Stellar Ride dinner. Now, well, hold on, hold had- on. You forgot the part of the where Prima's acting like super shady. He's like, I'm going to need more help from you, but I'll keep you posted. And Severide's just like, the fuck does that mean? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I skipped that line. My brain just skipped over it. Uh, but it's just like, what the fuck does that mean? Right. And like, why, why, why is Severide still going with this? He doesn't like Prima. He doesn't trust the guy. And yet he's still going along with it. Well, and even then, the whole thing is, like, this isn't even a freaking, like, again, it was one thing when Severide was actually working arsons. Like, you know, like, oh, a fire happened. Now let's figure out, like, what caused the fire and, like, who, you know, set the fire or whatever. Right. This isn't even that. This is just, like, I don't even know what to call it, but this is just basically, like, a PD case. This is a mess. Yeah. Right. And why is Prima working with Severide? Why is it Prima working with intelligence? There's a whole show dedicated to what he does. Yeah. Well, and even at one point they were like, don't like a couple people were like, don't like, doesn't he have guys to do this? Like, why are you doing this? Which we now know why Prima had Severide do it, but like still. There's a whole show of people just like Prima who do the same job and would be happy to help. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Okay. So then we cut to Prima showing up at the loft during Stellar Ride dinner. Now, casual. Before, casual. Casual. Before we get into this, we got an email from a listener today that I, I cackled. It was so funny. Okay. So they're in the middle of making dinner. They're being adorable little domestic Stellar Ride. And Seb like goes from their sink to like the countertop with a ginormous like boat of pasta. It's like so much bigger than what you would expect two people to eat. Uh, I like completely missed that part. I mean, obviously I knew they were making dinner, but like, I definitely did not catch that. So I, I, I noticed that they had like the utility sink, not like an actual like kitchen sink. I was like, okay, that, that sounds like something Severide's loft. Well, it's also a loft. Yeah. 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 So, but Natasha sent in an email and she said, that was the largest bowl of pasta I've ever seen made for two people. How much pasta can Kelly and Stella eat? I cackled. I was like, oh my God, that's right though. Cause I did catch that. I was like, that is, oh, that's a lot of pasta. Yeah. I'm not judging though. I mean, yeah. Could be worse. Oh, it could be way worse. Could be way worse. So then we get the specifics here. So the guy who's selling the weapons has a relationship with Danny Cavanaugh, a.k.a. the guy that almost got Stella and Kev- Kelly killed. Yep. Yeah. He just kind of hid that detail. Uh, just casual. Oh, my goodness. So Prima's like, look, like, I really want to cut him a deal. But in order to do so, like his victims have to sign off. And Stella's like his victims. And Prima's like, yeah, you and Severide. Oh, Severide is so mad. Oh, he's so mad. He is so mad. At, rightfully so, though. Like, don't oh, bring this yeah. bullshit into his house. I'd be pissed. Yeah. I'd be pissed. Oh, my God. So he's like, you were just trying to get me invested because you knew you were going to have to ask me to do the unthinkable. Like, you know, you're a jerk. Like, you suck. Get the fuck out of my house. I mean, he's in the right here is all I'm saying. Yeah. Like, that... That crosses a line. Like I think I think the whole theme of this episode again, I don't I would I'm definitely on team separate, but I think the whole theme of this episode is like Prima did you know, again, Prima could have handled this differently. And I'm not saying I think Separate still would have had the same reaction. Yeah. But there's definitely a better way Prima could have handled this. Obviously. Oh. Like it's just like I feel like that's the theme of this episode. Like everyone could have handled their own shit a lot better than they did. So much better. So much better. 
And it, the, the thing about this Kavanaugh thing that's also interesting to me is that, you know, in, in the premiere, he had mentioned he's like, it's not just me anymore, it's Stella. He, like, goes absolutely feral over this Kavanaugh guy. He gets so triggered because he's like, no, Stella was in danger and I'm not fucking doing that again. Like, well, and then obviously you have the promo for the midseason yeah. and, you know, Stella's going to be the one to go in and then Severide shows up a little late on the scene and he's like, where's Stella? And Yeah. Yeah, just interesting point. But then then Prima's got to just like twist the knife and be even more of a dick. And he's like, a lot of people are going to get hurt and that's on you too. Get yep. out, get get out. There is the door. Don't let it hit you on the way out. Yeah, you get, don't be bringing that energy up into the Stellaride loft. No. Leave. Yeah. Ugh. So that's where we left off with that. I just, yeah, but it, again, it, the promo makes it seem like this is all we're focusing on in the midseason, which we know it's not, but like. Oh, see, and you know what? I didn't even put that together. I just thought that I, I figured that was just an unrelated call. I didn't even realize that was probably like. Probably, I assume, related. Son of a bitch. The, you know what the cliffhanger is going to be? Is going to be like some sort of pop or boom coming out of the house and like, kid, report and like silence. Probably something like that. Damn it. Yeah. Ugh. Yep. So last up, we've got Brett and Violet. Take it away, Brenna. Oh, man. Oh, man. Lots of feelings about this. Yep. So Brett and Violet take one of their patients from the first call to Children's Hospital because the mom asked specifically to take him there. And while they drop him off, they overhear a conversation between a nurse and a volunteer who is refusing to dress up like a clown. We all remember Brett has a drastic fear of clowns so she steps in you know helps the guy whatever it's fine every you know whatever so then they all start talking or whatever and it turns out this guy his name is dylan knew hawkins because everything that dylan starts saying it starts to trigger some you know something in violet and as it turns out even more coincidentally this is the guy that evan was trying to set brett up with like literally right before he died that's just yeah my heart remember my when heart. remember when violet was happy and we were happy because violet was happy and like hakami was so cute every single week and we were just like all in our hakami bubble and everything was rosy and wonderful yeah <sighs> what a time what a time what a time to be alive I miss those days. so they kind of leave it at this point as just kind of like okay whatever that's weird but like okay yeah that okay cool so we're at molly's that night and violet or later and violet's trying to talk dylan you know dylan up to brett and you know violet even says at one point she's like it was the strangest feeling you know realizing who he was she's like honestly for a second it kind of felt like evan was in the room with us and i was just like all the tears I'm like can we not and so brett i was like well you're gonna call him right like you know you're gonna do this right and brett's like you know Okay, well, I'm going to hold off for now, though. Like, you know, I'm not saying no, but I'm not saying yes either. And, you know, we're kind of just going to leave it leave it at that. Um, And so then this guy, Dylan, ends up showing up at the firehouse. He, like, literally comes just to see Brett. And she he asks her out, and she does agree to coffee. That, you know, but she, like, at this point, she is just still, like, super hesitant about it. Like, really hesitant about it. Um. And later on, though, Violet confesses to Brett that she feels like she messed up by pushing Brett to go out on the date with Dylan. And we get this conversation. Speaking of good friends, um, I messed up. Messed up how? I have been pushy about Dylan. 
without being sensitive to the fact that you might not be ready to date yet. Well, I don't think I'll ever be ready, but doesn't mean I shouldn't try. To be honest, that's not the reason I haven't called Dylan. What do you mean? It's, it's the connection between Dylan and Evan. In the way you get so happy talking about him, well, what if things go badly and it would be like I'm taking that away? Oh, oh, no, Sylvie, for, forget all of that. Yes, it, it brought me a wave of Evan to meet Dylan. But so does pretty much everything that Evan has ever touched or been around. Sometimes it makes me happy. Sometimes it just hurts. And there's nothing that you or anyone else can do to fix that. Do you get a good vibe off Dylan or not? He's adorable. Then you have to go for it. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what upset, like, all the Bretzies. And, like, I, 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 I... I see it. Like, I do understand why. And I do feel like I really thought the hesitancy was going to be her being like, no, like, I'm just not ready. And, you know, I thought or I thought she would maybe even try to go out on the date and be like, you know, I'm just not ready. Like, that was fun. But like, I, I just kind of made me realize that, like, I'm not ready for this yet. And that was not what happened. Basically, obviously, as Violet says, she like or, you know, Brett says, like, I didn't want to do this because I thought it was going to bring up bad feelings for you. And it's just like, yeah, I, yeah, I, that it's, it's a little insensitive mm -hmm. on the powers that be. It's a little insensitive on their part by like pretty much pretending that Casey never existed. She yeah. Thought. And I think, again, I think there's a different way to like. I really, like I said, I really thought that it was going to be Brett being hesitant because, you know, she just wasn't ready yet. And they're like, no, like, she's going to be hesitant because she's protective of Violet's feelings, which is also nice, but it's like, okay. Matt Casey who? Yeah, kind of. Which is fucked. And I, like, I try to sit here, and we were having this conversation a little bit before we recorded about how, like, I try to look at it and be like, okay, like, I know that now that Brett and Casey are broken up, that is just unfortunately the canon now, it is our reality. Mm -hmm. Like, I try to sit here and be like, okay, they're not going to have Sylvie, they're not going to have Sylvie single for forever. Like, they're just not. I'm not saying that she's going to find, you know, end up with her, whoever is going to be an endgame. I still think Brett and Casey could be endgame, you know, way down the line. I hope they are. But like, I just didn't expect this to be the way they were choosing to have her move on. Like, I knew it was coming, and I knew it was going to happen at some point. I just didn't think this is going to be the way they did it. Right. Like, it just seems, like you said, it just seems really insensitive. I don't think there's anything wrong with Brett going on the date and trying to move on. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I think I would have, like I said, I thought she was, my in my head, she was going to go on the date and just realize that she wasn't ready yet. It's it's the complete non-recognition of Matt that I think is the most unsettling to me. Like, it doesn't bother me if she went on the date, and it doesn't even bother me that she had a good time. It bothers me that instead of her being like, 
you know, it's really weird trying to move on from this guy who I was madly in love with. She's like, I was really only worried about Violet's feelings. Yeah. 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 That, I, I agree. I think that's the weirdest part of the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. The other yeah. part of that and- conversation that I thought was good, though, is that they, they do keep revisiting Violet's grief. And, yes. you know, they're they're doing a really good job of kind of articulating what it feels like I am fortunate enough to have never really experienced grief on that level um but I feel like just from the way that she's described it in the past couple of episodes that you know it's 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 giving it's painting a very good picture no it is I as someone who unfortunately has gone through grief on that level um you know, I think a lot of people think that grief is linear, that like mm-hmm. you're going to be in a deep, you know, it's going to be bad in the beginning and then like you're going to get your way out of it and that like, you know, you're going to be okay. Like, you know, once you get to the end of the journey that like you're going to be okay. um, But like, it just, it's not, it's, you know, it's going to hit you in waves and I'm even, you know, my mom passed away. It's been about two and a half years at this point. And like, it just, you know, it hits you in like, you know, I'm again, I'm two and a half years out from my mom passing away. And, you know, there are days where I just like want to cry about it. And, you know, like, I still grieve over the fact that, you know, I don't have my mom anymore. And like, I do think they that has been like, if I had to see Violet go through this, I do think they've done a really good job of showing that like, you're gonna have some really good days, but you're also gonna have some like really shitty days where it just really hits you. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. So I do really, I do think they've done a really good job about that. Yeah. Uh, but if you, if you are a Bretzy and you're out there and you know, you're feeling hurt, upset, however you're feeling, it's, it's okay. Yeah, it's it okay. is. It is for sure. I mean, I guess we'll see. Well, so basically the episode ends, we'll finish this real quick and then I'll say what I want to say. But so Brett FaceTime, like they, Brett goes on her coffee date. She's FaceTiming with Violet on the way there. And like Brett's kind of nervous. And then she sees Dylan in the window, like fixing his hair or whatever. And like, clearly he's nervous. And I think it helps calm her down. And that's kind of where we end things. So I guess then my question is like, is, are we going to see Dylan again? I don't know. I hope like, so. I don't well, imagine him like at this point, like I, based on the way this went down like i don't imagine him being around for like ever like i would could see potentially maybe one more episode but like i don't think he's gonna be like brett's new love and you know or anything i don't see that i i liked him i you know i i thought he was i thought he was adorable i kind of agreed with her um i liked him so i i would i would like to see him pop up again like i could see them though and maybe this is me again as like someone who is a brettsy like wanting you know projecting my own feelings on it but like i could see them having like another episode where like they go on a date and brett you know it was like he's great but like i just not you know mm-hmm. i'm just not ready right but again maybe that's me projecting what i want to happen and you know but i don't know but yeah i did i mean i thought dylan was really cute so like i'm not i i can get see where she's coming on that form but like i don't know he was I like guess. a mild version of ruzik I don't know about that. The but... reason, like in the, the, the scruffy beard and like the, no. Eh. Eh. I don't know. But I, yeah, I just, again, the, her Brett's whole reason about it is just kind of like, really? Uh, what? I, yeah. 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 
Any other notes on fire? It was fine. It was fine. Yeah. It was fine. Okay, let's judge it. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. It is PD time. It is PD time. <sighs> Not only is it PD time, but Gavin Harris wrote this one. And you know the Gavin oh, Harris Oh, he episode- did? Yeah. I didn't even know that. The Gavin Harris episodes are always uh, an emotional gut punch. This was a doozy. They are doozies. And they now that doozies. makes all the sense in the world. Doesn't it, though? I know. Uh-huh. Gavin's also the one who writes Kevin, like, perfectly, right? Yes. Gavin usually writes the Kevin ones. Yeah, so Gavin Harris wrote this one, which, like, the minute you see Gavin Harris wrote it, you're just like, oh, boy. Oh, fuck. Oh, I'm about to feel some things. Okay. All right. So the episode kicks off with Michaela having a sleepover at the Berzik house. Oh, everything so I cute. ever wanted, like the most precious scene in PD history. Like I just, I love everything about this. More I mean, of this. Why couldn't we have stayed in that bubble for a whole like forty-eight minutes? That I would, like, I would watch the hell out of that. Yes, like yes. I want to see Ruzik having to like round them up and like get them to bed. Like I, I want all of it. Oh my god. It's so cute. Now, the very first shot of this episode is it's it's basically Kim in the shower, which like they do this multiple times, and I'm just like, oh, okay. Um, but yes, Michaela's having a sleepover. She's got a friend over. They're watching like How to Train Your Dragon. They're like, yeah, it's the cutest thing in the world. And like Kim's cuddling on the couch with her, and like they're eating popcorn. Oh my god, it's so cute. It's really cute. Perfection, just absolute perfection. So Adam comes home and burgess is like okay i i got called about something with tomatoes which like I'm, my name is just still in the system which like i don't know why it's just stupid and so she's like can you get them in bed by nine and adam goes how much ice cream have they had i die that is the only these are the only burgess conversations i need for the rest of my life but actually though i don't need them talking about work i need them just talking about like michaela and like parent stuff okay but let's be real here adam definitely got up early the next morning to make Michaela and her friend like all the pancakes and like the different shapes right with like the sprinkles and like the special breakfast like that you know your parents always did when your friends came and slept over like Adam definitely does that right oh my god I didn't even think about that but yes you're probably right she probably has some sort of like princess waffle maker yes yeah oh like sprinkle like he adds in all the sprinkles and the chocolate like yes whatever michaela wants adam gets oh my goodness and then of course kim's gonna come home and be like adam like why did you hop them up on so much sugar because he's a girl dad yeah because he's a girl dad can we just stay in this bubble forever can we like do do we have to work cases like why do we have to do that why can't we just stay here oh my god so sweet so kim has to go idea john doe who was potentially affiliated with tomato since her name popped in the system and you know it's tomato so of course it's gory and violent and there's blood everywhere um all that stuff so much blood yeah yeah so kim doesn't recognize him but she recognizes the injury because let's take it back to 816 and get traumatized all over again oh man every time they showed a clip from that i was like i'm not i don't want to watch this again no thank right? you thank you yeah Thank you. So Voight rolls up, but since there's no affiliation to Tomitos, he's like, no, we're just punting this to homicide. Like, we're not taking this. Well, O'Neill shows up. And, uh, you know, he's in rare form since, you know, Voight kind of rained on his parade last week. Uh, Yeah. 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 So uh, he's like, no, intelligence is going to take this. And Hank is like, if you remember correctly, we are investigating a sex trafficking ring. 
Like we're a little busy, which like ice cold, Hank, ice cold. Mm-hmm. But also he has a point. So the the guy apparently was a friend of O'Neill's. He donated to the Police Memorial Foundation. So he's like, no, we're taking the case. And Hank's like, oh, whatever. Okay, that's weird. So back in the bullpen, they're going over what they know. They're going into the details. And this is basically like, it's a nothing case. There's no reason for them to take this other than O'Neill clearly wants to divert their attention from working from with Sean. Yeah. 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 So what it seemed very random in the moment, but he looks, he goes to Haley and he's like, I put you in for five days off. So just like, go do whatever you want with them. Yeah. And I didn't, at the time I was like, okay, well, wait, is, is he giving her days off? Like go sleep and go take care of yourself or like, no. go take days off air quotes to go work on the O'Neill case. I wasn't really sure which one it was. No. Yeah. Definitely the latter. So Haley just is gone for like 75% of the episode. Until the end, which, it, yeah. It felt weird. I was just kind of like, Haley, like, there's been too much loss. Like, stop it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, she, he's like, yeah, just go take some vacation. So, Torres finds a car that could potentially be the offender's vehicle. He and Kevin go check it out. We get a really cute little nugget here that, uh, you know, Torres is basically just like, yeah, my car's in the shop, whatever. And so Kevin's like, well, how are you getting to work? And he's like, my mom takes me. It's the cutest thing ever. It is cute. I know. And Kevin's like making fun of him a little bit. He's like, your mom takes you. Uh Uh-uh. Don't, no. Don't you judge him. I don't care. It's the cutest thing ever. It's so cute. It's so cute. I die. So they pop the trunk. It is full of blood and duct tape. PD, this is a normal day. So- The day before the murder, the GPS on the car basically says that it was like stalking this guy's house. So Kim and Adam go check it out and they find like a memorial site. This is like the creepiest shit. This episode was like a horror movie at certain points. Mm -hmm. Because like they go inside and it like leads down to some tunnel or something. And like in in, in most horror movies, it's like, don't don't go down there. Don't, they go down there. They go down there. And they find human remains. Just not one, two, three. Oh, were there three? Oof. Mm. The the marine guy, the lady, and then there was the other guy. Yeah, I think it's three. Oh my goodness. Oh, okay. So they ID one of the bodies that wasn't decayed, but now they have to find the nexus between all the victims. And so Kim is looking at the body because it's the same injury pattern, and she just starts like getting all of these flashbacks and like the soundbite they keep coming back to is that part where she's like please I have a daughter like we have worked for like a year and change now to get that scene out of our minds why are you putting it back in for real though not okay not okay yeah uh and then even in the shower she's still like just totally frozen at it by the memories yeah I feel like the shower scene was a little gratuitous did we really need that close-up did we? I think the thing, though, is that, like, if you've noticed in all the PD episodes this year, they always kind of, sometimes it'll be just in the opening scene, but they really take whatever they do in the opening scene, and they really have gone into, like, the repeating image, like, a lot. Yeah. Or, like, the repeating action or whatever, and so I think that was supposed to be the kind of, like, repeating thing that happened is obviously Kim in the shower. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, I don't know why they picked that, but, like, I think that was just supposed to be why we saw it so many times. Yeah. Yeah but yeah so 
basically they get all the IDs on these people. The only thing they can find is that they like all they have in common is that these people were all wealthy, picked up alone at night on their way home. They start talking to the families, and one of the wives mentioned that he felt like the husband like felt like he was being followed. Um, and that it was all connected, but like she didn't believe him. They had some sort of break-in, like things were kind of crazy. And then someone else mentions another break-in where a specific necklace was stolen and the windows were left open, but not how the offender escaped. And then they find a glove left behind. So things are starting to get juicy. So Burgess gets a name. It's this Tyler Hansen guy. They go to his last known, they bring him in for questioning. He knows nothing. He's like, I was in St. Louis from 19 to 21. Like, I don't, I don't know what you're looking for. Like, whatever. And it all checks out. So they get another break in with the same MO. So Kim and Adam go and talk to that victim. And he's like, okay, well, my wife saw someone in a hoodie twice. So at that moment, she's in a parking garage. So they send Torres and Atwater to go get her. Um, And like, as they're like stunt driving up, the guy is like driving out. So like they pass and Torres is like, that's the driver. That's the driver. Oh my goodness. So crazy. Um, Will you take it from here? Yeah. So they, you know, like you said, they see the offender, they go after him. Like Kevin starts chasing the car. Torres is on foot. And like at one point, Torres goes up to check, see if the victim's still there. But basically, like they didn't make it in time. She got abducted, abducted, unfortunately. So where they get lucky, though, is the offender took his mask off at the stoplight and they were able to get facial rag pulled from that. And it turns out the guy is Mark Hansen tyler's older brother which is why it makes sense that his some of his dna you know they were able to they got tyler when the dna was pulled from the glove because obviously they're brothers that would make sense Mm -hmm. so they hit mark's last known but they don't find anyone or anything that might help them and then kim sees the drawer the fake drawer with all the necklaces that were being stolen and they're just like what the fuck like why are we like what is happening like what is this guy's mo like what why is he doing all this how did she know though like how did she know the necklaces were like underneath she just kind of hit it on accident she didn't know she's kim and she's a genius yeah yeah basically so you know tyler or you know kim's you know talking about her trauma again she's like you know the same thing happened to me and the two things that kept me alive were you know my kid and knowing someone was going to help me Mm. and you know tyler just admits he's like i don't know where he goes but she's like he's like it's related to this greek king lantos which mark did his college thesis on and basically like mark and tyler's parents were killed by a rich ceo in a car crash and of course the ceo used his money to kind of make the car crash all go away or whatever and so when mark's you know mark was the only one that survived um his parents didn't survive but so in his mind like money killed his parents but also money set the killer free which is why he's going after only rich people. This part was fascinating hearing them like make the comparisons to this Lantos guy. I was yeah. Like, well, and then apparently they're like, well, why is it all of a sudden ramping up now? Like he did, you know, one of them like two years ago. Like, why is it all of a sudden ramping up now? And apparently Lantos mission was complete at 34 and uh, Mark turns 34 in two weeks. So like, basically it's like now or never. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, I thought that I'd never even heard of Lantos before this. Me neither. I didn't do any Googling and I don't know if I want to do any Googling, but like <laughs> I've never heard of Lantos like ever. Yeah. Um, so Platt decides to do a D search for the name Lantos, which, you know, and they get a, an LLC that pops up that, you know, this LLC, Lantos LLC owns a house in Cicero. So Burzik goes to check it out. So they get out of the car 
And Kim realizes that she doesn't have her gun. Like, they're literally about to walk into the house and Kim realizes she doesn't have her gun. So, Adam being Adam, like, of course, like, protects her immediately and is like, no, you've got to get back in the car. Like, you cannot go in. Um, And she's like, no, but you can't go in alone either. And he's like, no, 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 but, like, I'll be okay. I have a gun, but, like, you cannot go in. No way. Apparently, it's, like, not normal, but it's not uncommon for that to happen. Because he mentions, he's like, my dad used to do it, like, once a week. Yeah, but Kim's like, but I don't do it. Yeah. So she doesn't let you, so she's waiting in the car or whatever. And like, she hears this shot go off all of a sudden. But so that's like, she's like not listening at this point. She like runs into the house. And again, she's getting PTSD because we keep seeing flashbacks of it. She like, before she runs down the stairs, you know, but she does. And she ends up finding Adam and the victim is still alive. Thank God. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's like, you know, you don't have to be scared anymore. Like, it's you're not alone, okay? So they hear something upstairs, and Adam, again, Adam's the only one with a gun, so Adam goes upstairs to check it. He ends up finding Mark and, like, gets him, you know, and coughs him, and that's kind of the end of that. But, yeah, weird case. Yeah, very weird. Weird, weird case. So then we go back to the district, and Adam asks him to talk to him. I'm going to finish sorting out the paperwork, and then I'm going to head out, all right? <laughs> One sec, okay? Yeah. What's up? Tell me what's going on. Talk to me. What? Come on. Kim. Kim, I know we don't talk about it much, what happened to you when you were shot. You know, you were alone fighting for your life. This case, you know, what happened to these victims, how they died, I can understand. No, stop. No, I... I don't know why I forgot my gun. Just forgot it, but it's not going to happen. About the gun. I dealt with the shooting when it happened. I did. I dealt with it. I know you did. Okay, I don't understand. It's just if it's coming up again, or if it does in the future, there ain't no shame in it. I'm here for you. I know. You and I will figure it out. Thank you. But this was just a bad day. Ooh, there's so much growth in this conversation. So much growth. I love this. Like, I love this. Yeah. Because, like, we're not going to get, I mean, like, listen, Kim hasn't talked to really anybody about it over the last year and a half. I don't think she's all of a sudden going to start, like, this case isn't going to trigger her enough to start talking to Adam about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, that would feel a little out of character for her. But at the same time, like, I think it's just very obvious that, like, Adam would do anything for her. And, you know, like, he realizes that she's not okay. Because, of course, he does. It's Adam. And I feel like any other season other than this season, Kim would have lashed out at him and been like, you need to stop worrying. I'm fine. Like, why are you asking me that? Like, she would have lashed out at him. She was so understanding. She's like, okay, like, thank you. I get that you're there for me, but I'm okay. Like, thank you. Yeah. Um, Really understanding. And just even when Adam's like, you and I will figure it out together. I was like, oh my goodness. This is like so much growth. So much growth. Yeah. So much growth. So, and again, this is next scene is further evidence that Kim is not okay. So she goes to open the like safe locker where she had her gun and it's not there. And so she's like freaking out. You can like tell immediately. She didn't say anything, but she's like freaking out. So she goes to her, the locker room and opens her locker there and finds it. But like that's bad like you can't just leave your gun somewhere that's not like locked up yeah not good but she like and so she's like 
breathes a sigh of relief, but she's, like, shaking as she goes to, like, put it back in the holster on her hips. Like, she is not okay. Not okay. Nope. Not okay. And then the episode literally kind of starts to take this turn and feels like a completely different episode. How interesting is that, too? Like, like the, the case was resolved at, like, quarter to the hour. Like, I noticed that because I was like, we're done already? And I was like, it's only 9.45. What are we doing? And the last 15 were reserved for, you know, taking us into the midseason. Yeah. So Kim goes to the fake office, undercover apartment, whatever we're calling, the, whatever we're calling this place. Yeah. Uh, where Haley's still working on the Sean case. And, you know, but she hasn't really found anything yet. And then given what Kim just went through or whatever. So Kim's trying to start to figure out like the why behind Sean's motives, like what made him start doing this, you know, all that stuff. But Burgess just keeps getting stuck on this detox facility in Wisconsin where Sean did all his rehab stents. And then she starts to put it all together that when Adam came home, you know, at the sleep overnight, you know, cause he and Kevin had been talking to victims. He says that one of the kids they interviewed mentioned Wisconsin and that Sean took him fishing there. So then they start doing all the digging into the cabin that Sean's family had, and it was apparently sold five years ago, and the new owner is listed as the county. There's, like, not a person behind it. So, of course, it's probably abandoned at this point. Mm-hmm. So they go to Wisconsin. They just randomly decide they're going to go to Wisconsin. And they check it out, and it it, it looks abandoned. It's fuck. Like, it is. No one's clearly been there in a while. But so they go in the backyard and they find this little like shed cellar, one of those like walk-in cellar type things. And they go in and they find nothing but like a bunch of mushrooms. That Yeah, that was weird. Then all of a sudden they get the idea they should start digging and then they find some bones. And that's it. Yeah, what the hell? Like, what the mushroom happened? thing was so weird. It was so weird. I like, I want, I have questions. Like, and I couldn't tell at first, like, because I mean, it, the, the lighting was so dark in the scene. I was like, are those rocks? Are those mushrooms? What are they? Yeah, I didn't know what it was at first. And then I was like, no, those are fucking mushrooms. What's the, but how did they get there? And when, what does that have to do? Because clearly that was significant enough that they felt like they weren't just going to have it in a random cellar. They were going to have a cellar with mushrooms. So like, that's gotta, I feel it'd be some sort of significance, right? Maybe. I don't know. I have so many questions. Like what is it? So many questions. Like, is it a result of the human remains being buried there that they sprouted up? Like, was that a decoy? I have so many questions. Well, and then what made them decide they were going to start digging? Um, I, I think that was just instinct on Haley's part, but also the hand they found was tiny. Mm-hmm. That was well, a little I mean, it's probably a kid's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, I know. I know. And also think about it. What must that road trip have been like a two hour and change ride to Wisconsin in the middle of the night? Right. Just Haley and Kim who are not like BFFs or anything who, and neither one of them are sleeping right now or neither one of them are in like nope. the best frame of mind to be on a road trip. Nope, they are not okay. Neither one of them. Oh my goodness. Uh, what? What are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? And and like, what's? Uh, I don't. I don't know how to phrase it. But like, also, I mean, I, I saw the point brought up a couple times of like, can we stop traumatizing just the women on the show? Like. Mm-hmm. Yep. What they're basically implying here is that like 
Sean is lucky that the two females in intelligence are like so traumatized that they can't sleep because like if they could, they wouldn't even be on his tail. So like, you know what I'm trying to say? Like Sean I think would- you said it, Sean should be lucky. Well, no, I mean like- so, Yeah, that it should be reversed. Reversed. Yeah. yeah. But like if, if Haley and Kim weren't so emotionally tortured, Sean would still be getting away with this shit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, so just, fucked up. Like friendly PSA there that like women don't have to be traumatized to get shit done. It's just a friendly blanket PSA out there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? Where are we going with this? What are we doing? I don't know. And I'm like, is it going to wrap up next? Like, because it feels like there's still so much to uncover that, like, it's not going to clearly just neatly wrap up next week right. or next episode. I keep wanting to say next week, next episode. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, what, where does, where did we go? Yeah. Where do we go? I know. And are we going to revisit Kim's trauma or what? Are we going to revisit it? I don't know. I feel like we should because we didn't wrap it up in this episode. Right. But then if you like think about we have Kim's trauma, we have the whole Sean case in general. There's the Chief O'Neill stuff. There's just like so many different layers to all this that we still have to like neatly put a bow on next week theoretically. And I'm like, that's not happening. That's not going to happen. No. I mean, I like the direction we're headed in, but I'm also just kind of like, what are we, like, what are we doing? Yeah. So, yeah. Any other notes on PD? No, but I I, I think I will just say this. I, I said no, but I do have one last thought. I do think I really like how they have, like, set up this whole arc leading up to the midseason with Sean. I think they've done enough of, like, touching on it in each episode without it when it's the focus of the episode, it's the focus of the episode, but it's not like overshadowed the episodes where it's not the focus. Yeah. Yeah. But like we're not just like leaving it out to dry either. There is like some sort of progression on this case every week. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. So. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Don't know. I'm excited for this mid season though too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So it's going to be good. Um, That's about all we've got for today. Um, as i mean as always you guys know where to find us but really before we do that we do have one more treat for you and that we've got the jesse shram interview um yeah jesse's lovely she's but everybody on the cast is lovely like why are we surprised um but yeah so enjoy our chat with jesse here you go jesse thank you so much for coming on we've wanted you on the podcast for a while so we're happy that you're finally here oh yes thank you guys so much for having me yeah of course of course so we're just gonna jump right on in so We've never had you on the podcast before. We want to start by going back and asking about your return to Mad last season. We were surprised for sure. <laughs> uh, when did you find out you were coming back? Like, were you just as surprised as we were to get the call? I was just as surprised as you were to get the call. I think I was in Alaska. My fiance had just proposed to me and I got a phone call from my manager being like, hey, so how do you feel about Chicago and Hannah Asher and going back? And it was completely out of the blue. You know, I just thought that storylines had kind of moved on and grown and didn't know where Hannah was going to fit into all of that. So I just kind of, you know, gave a nice little thank you so much for my time here and let that go in the universe. And it came back pretty quickly, which is amazing. And I'm so happy that it did. 
Yeah. And we obviously, I feel like when Hannah came back, there's like this new version of her because she's obviously now very clear about what she wants and needs. You know, she commands respect where she needs to and sets boundaries. So like, how was her return pitched to you? Um, at first it was just like, Hey, we want her back. We plan to have her for a while and, you know, we'll see where that goes. And I had had a meeting with uh, Andy and Diane, our showrunners. I'm like, what does this mean? Because, you know, before uh, Hannah had left last time, there were a lot of different elements and storylines that had been pitched in different places that we were originally going to go with Hannah if she had continued with her storyline. And so a lot of those had completely shifted. So in my mind, I was coming in one way and in the other, you know, it was made very clear to me that we want to show the strength and complications of being within recovery um, and not so much teasing that idea or fear that she's always always going to slip. So that was made very clear to me of we really want to show Hannah in in her recovery. And, you know, it was this conversation of, you know, when you're in recovery, it's always in recovery. It's not like you're ever recovered. There is no past tense to that. It's always an active practice. So um, for me as an actress, it was it was an interesting time period to go, okay, we want to show her strength. We know that the stigma is going to be following her, but who is Hannah when we're not just talking about the drug addiction? You know, we didn't see that before with, with Will and Hannah, it was always about the two of them just being very uh, codependent in the things that they were dealing with and saving each other and, and, and molding into each other and her basically fighting against this addiction to save her career. And now what do we do when she's in um, a much healthier space? Who is she? And I feel like that's what we've been exploring. And that was kind of the um, intro that I had been given when I signed on again. Nice, nice. And so in an alternate reality where, you know, COVID hadn't shut down season five and pushed back the start of six, um, you kind of alluded to it just now, but were you supposed to be around for longer or was Hannah always set to exit about that time? The, you know, from what it was related to me, the original plan was we were going to have Hannah for, for a while longer. And then COVID did happen and we didn't get to film the last episode that would have started some of those storylines. And then of course, coming back during the height of the pandemic, so much had changed for so many reasons. So it it was kind of understandable that that she took a leave at that time. <laughs> But yeah, there were there were a lot of options that were on the table. And then the pandemic changed so much for so many, including including Hannah Asher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And so talk about this season, like you already kind of alluded to a little bit earlier, but it's been really interesting. I think one of our favorite things to to see Hannah become her own person outside of Will, because like you said, when she was on originally, all we really knew of her was as it related to Will. And so I'm curious, like, now that you're here and you're here full time, like what has it been like for you to really get to know who Hannah is this season, both as a person and as a doctor? Well, it's been super interesting because I was with Will so much. He was my introduction into the show as well. So coming back, I felt like I was on a completely different show because all of a sudden I have episodes with all the other actors, you know? And so it was, and then I think it was like five episodes later, I'm like, hey, Nick, what's going on? You know, we hadn't <laughs> seen each other in so long. So it felt like coming back to a new show, which I'm sure actually helped the journey of figuring out the doctor and personal life of her because I had to take away what we were doing before, I guess you could say. Um, it's been it's been really interesting. And us as actors don't really know what's happening more than an episode or two out as well. So you may think you're going one direction and 
it goes somewhere else or all of a sudden you find out where your character's from. You know, it's like when you've been playing it a different way. So it's um, it's a journey when it comes to these episodic TV shows of you're creating somebody and as you go, you're molding it the entire way. And it either goes in that direction that you're thinking or you're adding more more pieces onto the structure that that you didn't know you would be. That's great. So let's talk a little bit about Hannah and Will. We can't not address that. Uh, <laughs> even though they agreed to be just friends at the end of last season, they have spent most of this season apart. Do you think that was the right move for them? I think it was, to be honest. I think that if there ever is going to be something further than just friendship with the two of them, they they really needed some time apart. You know, it wasn't just Hannah that needed to figure out who she was. I think it was Will too. So I think that it was really important that they became individuals and get to learn each other as they who as who they are now, as opposed to just, you know, getting back with the ex because that was comfortable, even though it was uncomfortable. <laughs> so I think it's important that they've spent time apart. And I feel like it it only builds a certain level of respect. I always say I think it'll be interesting if a new person comes between them. I think that that'll add interesting storylines too. But um, I think that they've gotten to develop a relationship outside of the one that they had in the past. And I really think that that only could have happened if they if they spent some time apart. Yeah. And I know a lot of fans are, you know, clearing for Will and Hannah to get back together. And I think a lot of them, especially after last week's like shower scene, are hoping that something more would lead between the two of them. But there still seems to be some sort of hesitancy on both of their parts. So I'm curious, do you see them being able to overcome that and eventually be together if, of course, that's what Hannah and Will want? So me as Jesse, do I see that? Um, yeah, do, like, do you, well, yeah, trying to forefront what's going on? I personally, I see them if they were to choose to try it again, I think that they could have something really special. I really do. I don't see that being something that needs to be completely written off or needs to be, you know, uh, something to be feared or yeah, I think that it could be something really special because they've done so much work together and separate that it's something new now. And I think that there's so much history history between them and it's an interesting history and there's a lot of love and so much trust as you could see from last week's episode, getting in the shower together. So it's like, there's so much trust that's already built there that if they were to get back together, I think it could be something really cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm a fan of Hannah and Will, but that's just me. No, we are too. It's okay. Yeah, we are too, yeah. <laughs> We are too. Hey, I understand it's, it's, you know, a, a complicated subject. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but in a, in a way they kind of need each other. Right. I mean, Will's kind of all alone now and you know, Hannah, doesn't, right? Hannah needs allies in the hospital. So, you know, they kind of need each other. I know. And she's definitely making allies in other places and situ and in people that a lot of people aren't expecting, which I find really fun and funny at the same time. Um, so I think that, yeah, but I think that there's something really special about the two of them together. And it'll be interesting to see where that goes. So you're definitely rooting for them. I'm rooting for them, you know, for now at least. <laughs> um, you kind of just alluded it to it though. Obviously since Hannah hasn't been spending all of her time with Will, we've seen a lot of her and Archer over these last, you know, first half of the season. I'm curious, what's it been like to get to explore that relationship and working so closely, closely with Steven? Oh my gosh, I've loved working with Steven and it has been 
I would say like it's been a, it's been almost a weird development, you know, because they were introduced to each other with um with you know fists ready, I guess you could say, with um a lot of defensiveness, a lot of attacking going on and she had to prove herself to him and there's been this breakdown of walls happening and there's been this trust that's being developed and I feel like through this relationship we've gotten to see a side of Archer that's slowly starting to peek out that we weren't aware of before and I feel like that's something that's been really special and Stephen and I have had a really fun time just you know because we have no idea where things are going or how things are being read or what's being developed and I feel like there's been a really neat love and respect that, you know, obviously he and I have for each other while working with each other, but that these characters are developing. So I think that there's a really interesting relationship happening there that both of us didn't really see it going there, to be honest. Yeah. 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 And, and it's seems- why, you know, you've got two people from broken pasts that are meeting up and, and finding a safe place within each other. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It seems like Archer might be developing a sort of pain pill, pain pill addiction that they've kind of been like showing briefly. And Hannah's trying hard, her hardest to be there for him. Can you tease anything about what's coming up? Ooh, good question. I'm like, what episode are we filming now? What are you guys going to see <laughs> next week? What's happening? Um, I mean, that is another thing that kind of bonds them together is she's able to see that he is in pain and nobody else has really kind of taken that time or awareness to notice that. Um, and his walls do come down a little bit in trusting her. And the the pills do definitely lead to something, but I won't I won't share what. <laughs> do you think she knows though, like what's going on with him, that it's probably some sort of addiction that he's, you know, developed? Do you think that she knows? I think... I think that she knows that he's struggling and I think that she knows that he's not giving the full picture. I think she doesn't know to what extent or maybe what's happening, but I think she knows that he's being a little shady um, and a little secretive. And she knows with patience and being there that he, he won't feel alone and he'll have someone to turn to. But I don't think she knows exactly what's going on, but you know, until he starts opening up and then she could be his confidant. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I know we're not the only ones who have done a complete 180 now that Hannah's back. What has the fan reaction been like? You know, it has been so accepting and welcoming. I was a little nervous because when Hannah first came through, we had some cheerleaders for her, but also this terrified state of being that she was just going to taint Will and take him off track <laughs> and the longer Hannah was there, I feel like the more that people can see um, the human side to her and could relate a little bit more with her and her being back, the way that we're telling the story, um, what I have experienced in playing her and people's response is that people, even ones that have not experienced addiction are really relating to her in a different kind of way that um, feels really special and kind of surprised me to be honest. So. I feel like the the fan reaction is still, you know, there's a war against who she should be with romantically. But for the most <laughs> part, people, people are really accepting Hannah and are rooting for her, which makes me really, um, really happy and grateful. Yeah. Um, and last night, Hannah had that really important storyline with the sexual assault. But I'm just curious, like, what does it mean to you as an actress to be on a show that isn't afraid to shy away from talking about such important and topical issues like sexual assault? 
this was one when I got the script and and it was more than just that storyline that made me tear up but there were multiple times when I was on set that you know like I had little reactions or got the chills and um it's a very sensitive and vulnerable storyline but so important and I remember afterwards telling our writer just um just how lucky I felt to get to be a part of this and it was a scene that a, a, a few scenes that you know there were a few people that came up to me and our crew that wouldn't be the normal people that you would expect to be vulnerable or talk about this and they had kind of pulled me aside and just let me know how important this was and who they had known in their life or the scenarios that they had been through and I'm getting emotional right now to be honest because it it made me feel like we're doing something and you know it made me feel like here is a story that needs to be told and everybody in their life has been or will be affected by this um, subject whether it be personally or somebody that they know and it happens way too often so for me being able to film that and just having those conversations meant the world to me. I felt like um, we were doing something important and that made me just, just so happy. Yeah. Yeah. So um, our listeners did send in some questions. Uh, One of our listeners, Rory, she wants to know which castmate do you want to have more scenes with? Oh, I was just saying this the other day. I don't really get any scenes with Crockett. So I'm really hoping to, you know, to maybe go head to head with Dom for a second. But yeah, I've I've gotten to develop a lot of relationships with the doctors in the hospital. But I feel like I feel like Hannah and Crockett don't get together too often. So I feel like some kind of cool surgery scene would be fun. That would be awesome. And yeah, he's been doing a lot of you know action and adventure. So maybe he'll take me along. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, you haven't gotten to do like one of the big, you know, three show crossovers yet, but I'm curious if you could guest star on PD or med it like in a crossover situation, which character or actor would you be most excited to work with? Oh my gosh. I am excited. Well, I've gotten to experience some of the actors coming to our show, you right. know, was, was last night's episode right. with Kira, the first episode and they were so lovely to work with. Like I was actually really like nervous and intimidated and uh, they couldn't have been more amazing. So anybody that's come to our set has been awesome. So I feel like just getting to just getting to work with everyone will be fun. Jason and I, uh, Jason from PD, he once guest starred on a show that I was doing uh, called Last Resort in Hawaii. And this was like, he booked PD, I think like three months afterwards. And I remember texting <laughs> being like, I'm so excited for you, man. Not realizing the extent of the work that he was about to do and that he was the face there. So I would love to work with him again. And then, you know, there's always Steve from Sex in the City. Like, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> Watch that series at least four times all the way through. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten to meet him. But yeah, it, I feel like just getting to be on the other sets, it's it's fun when we've gotten to walk through the other sets. You know, we did a promo video um, on fire stages the other day, and it's just so different being in the fire station than being in the hospital. I I just think it's fun to get to explore the other worlds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So one of the other things we love, aside from One Chicago, is Hallmark Christmas movies. Yay! Oh, the best. Yeah, we do an episode every year where we basically cover the Hallmark movies that contain every One Chicago alum in that particular year. So, oh, wow. yeah, yeah. So um, we love talking about the new ones that have you know come out and stuff like that. You've been in a couple. Do you have a favorite one that you've been in? Oof. So it's it's got to be Christmas, right? 
Mm, yeah, one of the Hallmark ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've gone to do a lot of harvest season. I don't right. know what it is about me that says harvest season. <laughs> um, those are New Year's. So I would say out of the Christmas movies, I mean, and this is genuine when I say everyone has been amazing for different reasons. You know, my castmates I've fallen in love with and uh, the crew and the storylines. But I would say overall, like the best one was probably Nashville Christmas Carol. Just because we had, you know, Winona Judd and Kix Brooks and Wes Brown and Sarah Evans. And yeah. we just had so much fun. And it was this weird experience filming because it was still the middle of COVID, you know, so there's still the masks. You were filming in this bubble. So you were just bonded in a different kind of way. And it it was supposed to be even more epic than the movie actually was. So, you know, trying to figure out how to make a stadium full of a thousand of people when you can only have five on set was really interesting. Yeah. But I would awesome. say to me, that one was like, I loved the magic element of that. So that's great. And I know you guys filmed those in the middle of the summer. So that's kind of tough. But are they as fun to make as they are for us to watch? Yes. Okay. Oh, I, <laughs> I will say, though, that they are more exhausting to make than it is hopefully to watch. But no, it's um, it's fun. You know, you're you're doing Christmas. And even though it is in July and sometimes you're worried about heat stroke, it's a uh, you're you're making fake snow or you're in <laughs> snow or all of a sudden you're in Whistler at the top of a mountain getting to do these things. And I'm such a sucker for rom-com movies. So to me, I I love filming them. And I think there is that element of Obviously, there's the pressure of carrying a storyline through, but you know that it's a storyline that is going to touch people and hopefully they smile from it. You know, you're not worried about putting the trigger warning in front of the movie. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, you're not in a new one this holiday season, but do you have any plans to do any more? Does being in Chicago now for 10 months of the year kind of make that too hard? Oh, it definitely makes it difficult. I actually was just talking to them the other day since, you know, this season, it didn't work out with the film schedules, yeah. but we, we are talking about Christmas and hopefully there will be one on this year's hiatus. So hopefully you guys will have one in 2023 because yes. I love doing them and, and I love working with them. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Okay. So question for you. What, what is your favorite thing to see in Christmas movies? Like what, or Ooh. if I could ask you, like, what do you want to see next? Um, I, I know for me, I love how formulaic they are that like, they all kind of follow the same beats, like meet cute. And then, you know, they're like doing the dance and then, you know, something happens where they're like, no, I'm mad at you. And then they reconcile and it's always happy. Right. <laughs> yeah. I guess if you're talking about like what I want to see next, I really like the more, the fact that we're getting a lot more diverse ones and the fact that like, we're finally starting to get some Hanukkah ones makes me very excited. So yeah. I really enjoyed those. So yeah. It expands the holiday. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So much within and more than Christmas. Yeah. But I do, I mean, still love the Christmas ones, but I like seeing the diverse, you know, I right. really have enjoyed those too. Oh, and it, it's fun seeing more actors and actresses like join the Hallmark family and start making yeah. Christmas movies. So that's fun too. Do you guys like the ones where there's multiple Hallmark actors within one? Or is that just too many? <laughs> no, I like that. I like, I'll watch any of them. Yeah, yeah I'll watch like any them of them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I don't care. It just needs to be on my TV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, 
So one of our listeners, I, I believe their name is Sibby. I, we, we didn't get clarification on that one, but this is a good question. I like this one. If you could have any one of your Hallmark co-stars guest star on med, who would it be and why? Oh, that's almost a mean question. Cause I don't <laughs> want to exclude like the 20, the 20 people that I would want on our show. Um, let's see. Ooh, that's a good question. I was just talking to Wes Brown the other day. Okay. Just talking to Wes Brown. So I feel like he is like tippy top of the list there and in, in talking about it. Cause I feel like he would make such a great, like McDreamy doctor. Ooh. <laughs> oh yeah. I could see that. Okay. Yeah, like that with an sure. edge, you know, but I feel like, yeah, we were talking the other day and I was like, you've got to get to Chicago. How do we get you on the show? So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Wes on this one, but that's primarily just because we were talking about it. <laughs> okay, we're just going to start manifesting that one. Yeah. <laughs> Man, we're gonna put it out in the universe. And then you go to Brendan Penny and then you go, you know, there's yes. so many different people. I mean, Brendan would be amazing. So there's, there's so many actors that I've gotten to work with on those that it would be, it'd be so much fun having them all through. There is an actress uh, that's coming through recently that you guys will recognize from that world. So I will tease that. Ooh, okay. Ooh, okay. Okay. Yay. So, well, great. Uh, that's about all we've got for today. Jesse, thank you so much. Thank this you was so much. So great. Yes, thank you guys so much. Uh, yeah. So there, there you have it. Um, shout out to Jesse Schramm and NBC for helping us pull that together and helping us uh, get her on the pod. She was lovely. She's, she's she nice. was really, I love that was really fun. And I, not that I expected her to not have thoughtful answers, but like she really put like, you know, there was a lot of thought in her answers and I, I really just, I really enjoy talking with her. Yeah. She's really sweet. So yeah. that was awesome. That was awesome. So, all right. As always, you know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, TikTok. It's me to some Ollie's right across the board. Um, I haven't posted on the TikTok in a minute. I need to do that. I need to get back in the groove, but yeah. Um, what, what was I going to say? Um, follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Gina watches TV, Bryna. I am at Bryna K 13. Please remember to check the link in our socials. If you'd like to become a patron, please check that link. Um, just click on Patreon and make sure you sign up there. And yeah, um, next week is Thanksgiving. So we will be not here. Um, let me phrase that better. We will be taking next week off. Yeah. <laughs> um, just kind of like word salad right now, piecing it all together. So yeah, put the one Chicago down next week. Curl up with your Hallmark movies and your blankets and like all your comfort tv i know we're probably gonna watch charlie brown thanksgiving like multiple times because charlie loves that my charlie loves that um yeah put the one chicago down curl up get comfy enjoy your friends and family eat a ton of food yes yeah all the things all the things all the things and so yeah that's next week we'll be off the week after that will be the no is that the mid-season no no that's like two weeks after. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We don't know what we're doing that week yet, but we'll figure it out. So, uh, yeah. So in the meantime, you guys have a great weekend. Have a happy Thanksgiving, a happy, healthy, yes. safe, wonderful Thanksgiving. Brenna, I say it every year, but I'm going to say it again. I am so thankful for you and our wonderful podcast and our wonderful podcast family. Beyond thankful for you and our friendship and obviously the podcast. And yeah. I love I you. I agree more. I love you yes. too. Mwah. Have a great weekend. Have a happy Thanksgiving and we will see you guys on the other side. Bye.